street gospel, light of the temple. Saw a swing, kill a lie from the ghetto. The hood messenger, let him know hell's close. Blackberry on the devil in a black cloak. Yo, what is up? Welcome to the Street Gospel Podcast. I'm your host, Dave One, and this is episode number Yo Melis. Yes, Melis. What episode is this? 85, episode number 85. Okay, if you're wondering where Camo's at, Camo had to work tonight, man. So uh, I didn't have nobody to fill in, you know. Camo was going to hit up some of his homies, you know, from from church, this, these these audio video dudes, and uh, none of them were available. So um, Cash wasn't available either, couldn't, couldn't use her today. And then uh, Melissa... My beautiful wife decided that she wanted to help and she can control the board. Are you all right back there? I'm good. <laughs> all right. She just started, so uh, I, it should be fine. Camel showed her what to do, set her up good. She's she's ready to go. But, uh, man, we appreciate you guys. So if you didn't check out episode number 84, we had Pomona's Finest, A.B. Alvarez, man. Uh, tattoo artist, got his own tattoo shop. In Upland, California, three foot radius, definitely was a fun episode. I mean, we talked about politics, we talked about life and death, we talked about God, we talked about business, uh, overcoming addiction, family. I mean, it was like a two hour and twenty minute podcast, but man, it went like that. So uh, we appreciate AB man, and uh, if you haven't checked out that episode, please check it out and please subscribe. Uh, we need you guys to subscribe. So uh, go on YouTube, check us out, Street Gospel Podcast, Street Gospel TV. Hit that subscribe button. And then on uh, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to us at, make sure you hit that subscribe button. We appreciate it. And share it with somebody. But we got a guest today, man. Um, I've been following this dude for a little while. We've been in contact a little bit. And, uh, you know, he is a brother in the Lord. Yes, sir. He is, uh, he, he, he roamed these same streets over here for a little bit, but mostly in the, in the uh, SGV, right? Rosemead area. Uh, he's, uh, uh, a believer, a father, a husband, uh, a preacher. I saw some of his stuff on, uh, YouTube. Uh, he's been on a, a couple of podcasts, but he came to the real podcast. Yes, sir. <laughs> I want to welcome to the Street Gospel Podcast, Mr. Isaac Pedroza. Thank you, my brother. Thank well, you. What is up, bro? Man, just here, man. I'm glad I'm here. Uh, I have been on a lot of uh, platforms, but this is, I believe, this is the first, uh, I would call this a uh, Christian platform, obviously, street gospel. A lot of the other platforms are secular, even though they've been a blessing, but I, I, I think I was due, you know, to, to come to a, a more, I guess, uh, how could I say believerish? <laughs> faith based. <laughs> faith based. Right? Yeah. When I when I tell people I'm like, yeah, we're faith based, but I did catch you on, on, on Scene Mills. Yeah, yeah. Cinemills, yeah. Yeah, Cinemills. I was on yeah, Cinemills, that's how he pronounces it? Okay, oh, my bad. Yeah, okay. Cinemills, Cinemills. Yeah, I, I I liked his stuff. I got caught up in watching some of his stuff and uh the the the, the I think he had a lot of biker stuff and you know, I'm on the treadmill at the gym. Yeah. I'm like, watch this dude <laughs> or the sauna. I'm listening to him, checking him out, and then you popped up one day and I was like Oh, this dude sounds cool, man. So I watched it, and uh, that he he has a good podcast. I like yeah, his he podcast. Yeah, good, good editing. I yeah, like, I like his style. Good editing puts the backdrop in there. Mm-hmm. He gets a lot of good guests. Uh, so shout out to him, man, because that's that's where I first saw you. But uh, definitely, man, I'm glad you uh, came to uh, 
faith-based podcast. Amen. I tell everybody we're a faith-based podcast, uh, but we have everybody. Yeah, yeah. So my believer friends get freaked out. Well, not all of them, but yeah. some of them get freaked out. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> the dude was cussing a lot. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, yeah. I love them. You know, and they might yeah. have a good story, Amen. but it's uh, my friends, and we, we'll, we'll put them on there. And uh, sometimes they have some good stuff, man. They just need... And you never know what the Lord can do through that, right? Exactly. Yeah. Right? It doesn't, I don't want to write them off. I'm sure you, you probably deal with Same. that with, with homeboys, yeah. right? Just all the time, yeah. All the, all the old homeboys want to hit you up and just, hey, make a connection. We, we can't totally sever that. Nah. Jesus would probably be right there with them, too. Right? Just yeah. making the connection, keeping keeping the lines of communication open. Amen. Yeah. I think that's that's the biggest thing, bro. Um, so first time we met in person... First time we get to know each other. Let, let, let's start in the beginning. Yeah. Where did you uh, Where did you grow up at? So I was born in, uh, I would say, Lincoln Heights General Hospital. And I, I was raised, all my family was raised in East L.A., Boyle Heights area. I was raised there as well, right off of Evergreen and uh, Cesar Chavez on a street called Cincinnati. Okay. Uh, which gang territory would be like Cam now, but back then I, I really don't even know what it was, but... That's how I kind of uh, uh, distinguish different places right, through, right. through different hoods, right? But I, I do it by uh, places to eat. So or that, that, yeah, that's yeah. the paya. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yo, keep taco right there, yo. right? You know, that's how I distinguish that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I grew up there till I was around right around seven years old, uh, and then my mom moved us out because she she wanted to keep us away from the gang life, and uh, and then we moved to Monterey Park. Uh, I was there for about a year. I was there about a year right there off of Garvey, right right next to kind of Atlantic, closer to Garfield. It's closer to the hat. Yes, right there, yeah. <laughs> so so um, from there, we moved to where we got established, which is Rosemead, right off of Garvey and San Gabriel Boulevard. And that's pretty much where I was raised. You know, was what, what, raised. What, what year was that? This was, so this had to be... 1986, 1987. Okay. Yeah. So still, I mean, it wasn't, it, it, San Gabriel Valley wasn't, I mean, you moved from East LA to Monterey Park back then. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like you moved up. Yeah. For us, it was like when we lived in Bow Cudahy, you moved to Downey. You, oh, yeah. You, you moved, moved up, up right? Yeah. And then like for, for people that grew up in East LA, you moved to, I guess, some parts of Montebello yeah, or Monterey park, park, Monterey park, and then you kind of like you know you yeah. moved up a little bit. But w- was Rosemead to move up so back we, then? Because I, I was up too and we moved, I guess, back uh, okay. down. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, you know, it wasn't as a kid. You don't really look at it like that. But um, we grew. I grew up like in a trailer park, and okay. the trailer park was predominantly all Mexican. It was like little baby Mexico, you know, and. and uh, that was, the, you know, that was my little stomping grounds, but outside the the surrounding area, it was it was pretty pretty much Mexican um, and Asian. There's a lot of Asians out there. Now there's a little bit more, so it, it's not like super ghetto. It has its little ghetto parts. That like right where I was at, you could consider that kind of ghetto. Um, but it has it has its, its good parts too. And did you grow up with uh, just like a normal kid, mom, mom, dad? I or? grew up just uh, with the mother. Um, it was uh, just just my mom. I didn't have a father growing up, so uh, my mom was always working. She she did a lot of she worked nights. She worked convalescent hospitals, and so she was she was gone a lot. You know, she was gone a lot. 
my sister, she's a little bit older, about 10 years older. She kind of used to take care of us. And, uh, but then she got married. So it was pretty much just me and my brother. He's three years older. And, and that's kind of how things opened up, you know, to where we started partying and inviting, you know, the homies over and stuff like that. You know, you know it's funny that you say that because I had, I had AB on and he said, uh, when his parents divorced, you know, he's like 14, 15. And he said, uh, my mom's working all the time. And he goes, and then it's, it wasn't a matter of, uh, of we went out looking for trouble. It was just we had we had freedom, yeah, you know, and there was no supervision. Yeah. So you start going out into the neighborhood, into the street, and just hanging out. Yeah. And it's normal. And normal. Yeah. He said it was just, it wasn't like he didn't set out to be a bad kid or do something wrong. It was just like there was freedom and there was no supervision. And then they started getting in trouble. That's how it happened. That's how it happened back then. It wasn't kind of like now the kids kind of gravitate towards that because of the, the, the culture, the music, uh, stuff like that, right? But for us, well, for me at least, it was something like you said. It, it kind of just evolved naturally, and we weren't out there. We were, you know, just regular kids, and as kids, Being you kind of, yeah, yeah. You, you know, you, you get into little little things here and there, you know, the bikes, riding bikes, and and uh, you know, being little mischiefs here and there, you know, <laughs> I was I was definitely a bad kid, <laughs> but um, yeah, it wasn't something like where we looked at it like, oh, that's what I want to be. It right, just, it just happened. You know, yeah, it's happened. a trip. You know, it's uh, I I had my dad, so we we had supervision. You know, he mm-hmm. was he would come and and call my name, the whole neighborhood, and everybody laughing at me, and I time to come inside, and I had to go inside, thing, but. Yeah. It was uh you can see how even now, but there's a lot of parents that are that they, they, they could be great parents, and you might have two working parents. Exactly. And the kids are coming home from school, and and you know nobody's there for them, yeah. and and the parents are working late, and they show up, and it, kids could get easily caught up. Yeah, I know a lot. I know I know quite a few. You know, they grew up good households. You know, I got I got some homies. They had good households, good parents. You know, like you said, working, and. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with the area as well. Your friends, who your friends are. Right. If you're in school, especially back then, we start. I started off young in elementary. You know, I started off gravitating in that towards towards that uh, gang life and stuff. But um, even like junior high and and you know the upbringing, the friends has a lot to do with it. You know, if you're around that, naturally you're gonna gravitate towards that and and uh, you end up. Going that way, you know. So, were you like first generation uh, gang member? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Because there's like, there's sometimes you hear like, my grandfather was from the neighborhood, yeah, my no. dad was from the. You, so I, you were well, first I had, generation. I had uncles, I had uh, uncles and aunts that were from. One was from Oyo Maravilla. My other, my aunt, she's a believer too. She's a. Um, she was from Tercera, which is now Breed Street, mm. right there in East LA, Boyle Heights. But other than that, it wasn't like. Like that, like other household. Like I got homies that their dad, their you know, everybody, everybody's right. from the hood, you know. But um, so I, I would say, yeah, I'm like we were like the first generation, me and my brother. Nice, first and only generation. Yeah, that's even nicer, right? <laughs> yeah, my my, from me forward, that was done. Mm-hmm. You know, my wife too. You know, yeah, exactly. her family was from Watts. My family's from Florence. Yeah. After you know they got saved, that was it for. Man. For for us, well, praise praise God for that, praise man. The Lord, yeah. So you you 
when did you really start getting caught up like in and see in, in that pool of of the neighborhood life so i always remember it by grades so fourth grade i remember already you know i was just a kid though but i was already around that i had a, a older friend who was a big influence in my life and he was three he was my brother's age three years older so he he was in junior high he was already involved in that and he used to always have me with him and he used to take me take take me with him to the hood to the neighborhood to the hills around all so i everybody got to know me early on you know so you're talking so, like nine years old i'm talking yeah nine years old fifth sixth grade but I, I wasn't from the hood technically, officially, but I was backing up the neighborhood. And and, um, and so that influence had a, had, a, had a great deal to do with it. Uh, but when I really kind of started really going there is right around seventh grade. I, I believe I got jumped in in seventh grade. I got jumped in 1990, November 27th, which is my birthday. I remember it because it was my birthday. November 27, 1990. Yes, 1990. Wow. Yeah. On your birthday? On my birthday. So we you like partying and stuff? We and were at said- the park. We were at Garvey Park. And we are just hanging out with the homies. And and, uh, and my ticket came up. It was me and, and two, two other homies. And, and they were like, it's time for you. You know, you, you guys ready to get in or what? And we are like, yep, let's do it. How old were you? And I was about 12. 12 years old. Yeah, about 12, yeah. On my 12th birthday, actually. And what did you what did you think? What did you think? It, what, what were you thinking you were getting into? Because obviously you probably you probably didn't know the full. Well, at that time, at that time, I kind of already knew what it entailed. I already knew, you know, not to tell, you know, I already been around guns and, and all that kind of stuff. But of course, you don't know the full length of it. Right. You don't even realize that till later, even like the, the whole all the different elements that come with it, right? But um, I was a kid, you know. I was a kid, and and once you're once you're kind of caught up in that whirlwind, you you want it, you desire it, and uh, it's like you wanna you wanna move to the next level. You wanna graduate, right? So when you get in, it's like that's a big step. It's a big thing. So, but I knew, like I I knew that I could die any day. I knew that uh, I could go to jail. And uh, I, I, even though I was young, I, I knew that much, you know. So once you get into the neighborhood, what what does the next level look like at twelve years old? What are, what are you trying to graduate to from at twelve? So you don't, I guess you don't really look at it like that. Like, okay, what am I gonna do now? It's just that now you're in the hood. Now you're, you're in. now, you know, it's forever. It's like this is my life. This is my life. This. This is what I'm I'm repping. I'm no longer representing just myself. I'm representing something bigger than me and I'm not alone. I got all my homies with me. And so you you kind of feed off each other and it was I'm not going to lie it was it was fun too. You know, that's a big thing that 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 uh I guess it's it's kind of like something that that's magnetic. It kind of just draws you in the partying, the girls, you know what I mean, the the the, the drugs, um the the power, I guess, the 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 what you what you feel like, you feel bigger. You don't feel alone, right? You don't feel alone, and you feel like you're bigger, better than the regular, average kid. Did you get that at school? Now that you were in the hood, like yeah, okay, he's, Every, he's yeah, a everybody part. looks at. Well, I had that young. I had I already had that because I started off young, 
So all my my you know school friends they they already knew they already knew like who I was what I was gonna be <laughs> like it was it was there was no doubting you know there was no stereotyping yeah. they just knew yeah they knew but they were still my friends like you know and and so I was always that little kid but once I I was from the hood like they knew you know like hey you know I got in oh damn you know and um, and that was that was that was it yeah I was I, I was that that guy and you do feel. I don't even know what to call it, but there's definitely something where you feel, you know, it has. I guess it has to do with power, like a little power, and, sure. and it's pride. A lot yeah. of it's pride, and you feel puffed up. You know, you feel puffed up, and, and uh, you know, no, nobody can mess with you, right? If someone messes with you, like that's they don't want to make that mistake, you know, type of thing. So, so yeah. In your neighborhood in Rosemead, do you have a lot of enemies? Are they are they within Rosemead? Or because I know there's surrounding neighborhoods there was in a couple, other cities, right in there. There was a couple little. They're like little little gangs, um, but yeah, all all our pretty much surrounding cities, San Gabriel, Amani, those were all our rivals. Uh, and then on the other side, of course, like Montebello as well, uh, and then. This way, on this side of Monterey Park, is East LA, which there's more Maravillas. And so, yeah, we, we, we had, but our, our main rivals were pretty much the cities over. And then within the city, we also had, like, Asians, Asian boys. We had a lot of Asian gangs, but we didn't go at it with them like that. It was pretty much, like, just Asian boys. But they're not, Asian gangs, they're not, like, territorial. That was pretty much, like, our neighborhood. Um, even though a lot of them they grew up there, but they were more about like money and stuff like that. But the ones that tried to kind of bang was the ones from Asian boys. So that that so we had like three different little within the city enemies, and then the San Gabriel, which Almonte. is pretty which is pretty unique because you have you'll have enemies in, within your city, mm-hmm. and then the rest of San Gabriel Valley, and then you kind of borderlined parts of East LA. Yeah, our 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 neighborhoods the the last pretty much moving. Closer uh, to East LA, Montebello, the East Side, where like actually I think back in the day they used to be considered even kind of East Side, like because Monterey Park there's a place called uh, they used to call it a uh, uh, Poor Side, I believe Poor Side. Mm. So that was considered kind of East Side. It's like it connects, it connects. So and then it uh, it connected from this side connected to us, and then on this side connected to Maravilla. So yeah, that's but, why I consider it LA. Like I. Don't, you know, I never even claimed SGV. I always claimed LA. Yeah, some people, uh, yeah, they get they get into the whole territorial thing. But there's a lot of people from Boyle Heights that say it's Boyle Heights, not yeah, East it's LA. Boyle Heights is not East LA. Yeah, so that's right. why I I say now Boyle, Boyle Heights. Heights East LA, I don't yeah. say East LA because anything I think on this side of Whittier on on the what is it on the uh, let me see so. East, on the north side, north no, side. on the on the south south, south side, side of, of, Whittier. of Whittier. Yeah, yeah. Is East LA, and then anything on this side would be considered Boyle Heights, and then somewhere in the middle, a lot of those in the middle, they claim East LA, even though they're on the Boyle Heights side. Right. You know, so. it's a trip. Yeah, it's a trip. Right you got to know where you where you're yeah. where you're going through when you're. When I love you're it out there. LA. You know, I, I love being out there. Even now, I love going out over there. You know, it's where I grew up. You know, all my siblings were from there. I went to Roosevelt, Garfield. You know, my like I said, my uncles, my my tia were from that area that's one area i think the the culture has remained yeah you know what i mean for a very long time there's a lot of there's a few places that it, it's changed or you know maybe at one time there was white people living there or a lot of the black neighborhoods there's like 
a lot of Mexicans living there yeah. now, you know, so it's different. But I think that area of East L.A., Boyle Heights, mm-hmm. it, it's pretty much stayed the same. It kind of yeah. reminds me like the the Florence area. It's, it's yeah, stayed the it's same. It's the same. There's same thing, like yeah. generations that live there, and yeah. they just grandma passes the house down mm-hmm. to the next person. They yeah. and everybody lives there. Oh, it is. I actually grew up during the break dancing days, so that was like a big influence on us. The break dancing and then the disco, the disco era. My sister was what they would call a disco bunny. <laughs> She was, uh, you know, so we were influenced by that. I still like that. My son, he loves that, the disco music. Yeah. Um, and the break dancing. My brother, I was a little young, but my brother, he, he was like part of a little crew. And I was always tagging along. So I considered myself part of that too. And um, But it was a, it was a, a, a beautiful time to, to be raised, man. I, yeah, yeah, I think the, the 80s, 90s, best time, mm-hmm. you know, uh, to be raised. I think if you're raised, you know, after that, it, it was a little different. Yeah, it switched know. up. A little yeah, bit. it was a little bit different. But those those eras right there have a lot of uh, good memories. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of first, you know, yeah. you know, hip hop first. You know, yeah, the, 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 those eras. You know, there was, uh, you know, uh, video games. Yeah. You know, it was yeah, a foundation of yeah. a lot of stuff. Yeah. It was just a lot of different things that just you know. That started in those eras, you know, mm-hmm. late seventies, eighties, yep. going into the in, into the nineties. How old are you? Forty nine. Forty nine. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm forty five. So about yeah, four I'm years right in. there. Yeah, I'll be getting fifty, bro. Man, fifty is a new forty. Forty is uh, a new fifty. T- I, keep, <laughs> I keep telling myself that. <laughs> when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, oh, yeah. this, this is hurting. This same is hurting. here, bro. I'm like, man, it sucks. <laughs> it's like, man, Lord, what happened, man? Yeah, same here. But, I never thought I'd even. Things like that, bro. It flies, though, right? Yeah. It, it really flies. I, I think, uh, you know, we're talking about the 80s, man. And it's like, mm-hmm. if you it, even if they say going back to 90 when you got in the hood, you realize how long ago that was. It's like 30, 30 34 four. years ago. 34, yeah. I mean, it's a long it's a long time, but time flies, man. Time yeah, flies. It does. So y- y- you start getting caught up in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, how long were you... I would say gang banging from the neighborhood, doing doing a bunch of stuff in the streets before you started getting into into heavier oh, trouble. Um, heavier trouble. Well, I I did all the regular in and out juvenile hall placements, camps, all that stuff. Um, fairly young. My first case was, I believe I was like right around there. I actually think I was younger. I wasn't even from the neighborhood when I caught my first case, was which I was like probably eleven, maybe eighty nine. For uh, uh, stealing a stereo pullout, remember the pullouts? Yep. Yeah, and uh, I went to Temple City Sheriff Station. I believe they let me out. I think they let me out, and then I ended up being on probation, violated probation. Then I started going to the halls. The halls back in those days. I mean, there, there, there. There's infamous stories oh, about yeah. the halls in those days, right? It was like what gladiator school, to go right? To, yeah, we used to go to East Lake, um, LP two, but more East Lake. So yeah, it was back then. It was, it was cracking. You know, it was definitely just fighting, man. Just you know that you gonna run into the enemies, you know for sure. And us, we had, you know, the guys from Armani. They were always deep. So we we definitely always, you know, it's where you kind of learn how to fight. <laughs> you know, when you learn how to fight, even fighting blacks. You know, a lot of blacks. They they you know they they just have that in them, man. They know how to fight, and we, we start you know getting. Getting better and, and uh, kind of like you said, it's gladiator school. You, you come up, you know, you come up, and by the time you you graduate, 
you already kind of have that. There, there's something that there's something to be said that when guys get busted, you know, a lot of guys tell the the the, the story of uh, I wasn't afraid or I walked in there and da 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 da. da. Nah, as what, a kid, what, you're definitely there's definitely fear, especially the first time. Because I think that's important to talk about. I cried about. the first time. I'm not gonna front. Like I I didn't cry openly, but I was like, you know, I wanted my mom. You know, <laughs> you know what? That's important to say yeah. because a lot of people glorify. You know, oh, I was in gladiator school, and we walked da 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 da. And sometimes it's like, it, it it's not really all like they don't. I don't care if you talk about that stuff. Like maybe yeah. you could fight, but like you said, you 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 were crying. You wanted mm-hmm. to go. You wanted to go home. That wasn't for you. At least you thought it wasn't yeah. for you. But once I think you lose that freedom, it's like oh, like it hits you. You know, yeah. Once you're once you're there, and you kind of just uh, I was I was watching um. What's the brother's name? Jared? Yeah. Jared Nava. Jared Nava. And kind of like him, like you just, you learn to adapt, you know, you, you, but definitely there's that element where, I mean, I would say the majority, there might be one or two where they're kind of, they, they don't feel that, but I, I say it's, I, it's a natural, you know, emotion you feel, you know, fear, but you got to get rid of that right away. It's not like I didn't stay there, you know, it was just the initial shock and then you got to. You gotta psych yourself out. You got, you gotta, you know, because you go, you about to, you know, you gotta represent. You gotta represent yourself. You can't be a punk. You can't do none of that. Me, I was, a, I was always a small guy, so I had to even, I had to do extra. You know, make myself little. You know, because because I was small, so you know, uh, there's a lot, man. There's a lot that, that that comes with it, but but definitely, yeah, that little fear element's there, and uh, you gotta get rid of it, though. You know, you gotta get rid of it on and just adapt so you adapted to jail life in and yeah. out what what is your what is your family saying or what is your mother saying at this time they hated it she didn't like it you know well my mom was faithful man she was always there she my mom passed away in 2020 uh but i definitely had a lot of regrets putting her through all that i put her i was like the worst mm. like out of the whole family so I definitely put her through a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, just um, her going, like I said, she was faithful and always visiting me. But looking back now, I'm like, man, like it's it's tough, you know, it's tough on a parent having to go and see their child in there. Like I couldn't even imagine bearing that kind of pain, seeing my one of my kids in there like it'd be uh, like it'd be rough. So, nah, yeah, of course, they didn't like it. And I would get out. Everybody be happy and you make these promises, you know, I'm gonna do good, I'm gonna do good. But the hood is the hood is is one once you're you're there, like I, I use the the word uh, whirlwind earlier, where it's just you get you you just get sucked right back into that. You know, you, there's like there's no choice. You're just you either have to move out far and even still you it's in you, right? Like like they say you you can move out the hood but you can't move it out of you know, from within. But um, it's not it's not a, a it's not easy to do good, you know. If you're in that same environment, so that's that's what I it was just in and out, in and out, you know. So I until I started doing little stretches, you know. I think as a juvenile, I did from '91 to '94, uh, three years, you know. I ended up out there in Nevada, in a like a little boot camp type setting. 
called uh, ROP. Shout out to ROP, man. I learned a lot of stuff there. It was like a lot of discipline, a lot of exercise. Uh, it was like a little junior military. Uh, Three-mile runs every day, every day, just staying fit, uh, working out. But that was the first time I ran into Northerners from up north. So the whole gangbang element kind of went to a whole different direction over there because now we're fighting Northerners. Um, was that a little bit of a shock for you? Because yeah. in, in juvenile, you're just fighting other neighbors, yeah, your your rivals, and now you're now this is stepping up. To yeah, it was a trip. Another level to me, it was like it was like a whole another world. It was a trip just seeing not just Northerners like Mexicans, but just people from not from LA. It was just a trip, like what? a little bit different. Yeah, you could tell everybody, even the dudes from like San Diego, Orange County, I like everybody has their own different little way of being and you could tell you could tell who's from LA and who's not you know so uh, but yeah the, the the up north aspect of it it, it, it was really um, it was like like a shock you know it was a shock but it was fun too because we, we unite right I was gonna say now you're with your now, your enemy yeah, now you're now, with them now, to fight somebody else yeah now we're united and we're fighting them and and it was a trip man it was it was a trip but I, de- I I'm definitely grateful for that that time in my life because like I said I learned a lot I, I, I think I believe I learned a lot of discipline a lot of discipline things that were in me that I didn't know I can like because they'll push you to the limit they'll push you like straight to the limit I got good at running like before when I first started I wasn't trying to run no three miles I, I'm, I'm walking and I'm getting in trouble they're sending me a place called specials where you got to work your way back to the camp and finally I you know I started running and I got good at it you know I, I think my best time was like 16, 52, 54, something like that. And that's a good three months. good time. Yeah. So it's a real good time. I, I, I fell in love with it, with running, you know, just, it, it's, it's like, can't, can't explain it. Like, it's like a high kind of, and you're oh, just, yeah. you know, <laughs> so a, a lot of that, it, it, it brought, it brought a lot out of me, you know, as a kid, it definitely, it definitely had a big impact on me. I think uh, when you get uh, tested like that, man, mm-hmm. in, in a different way, right? You probably yeah. got tested in the neighborhood, yeah. got tested in the street, juvie. You get tested like, how how far can I push my body, or how how disciplined can I really be? I think there's a there's a there's a feeling inside that you can't ex- explain. Like I accomplished this, like I thought I couldn't yeah. do it, and now I did it. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, that you you definitely like tested and. You're you're pushed to the limit, and a lot of the the staff that were there, they were uh, all a lot of them were ex-military. So you're picking up game, you know. You're picking up game from them. They talk to you. They were they were good good dudes, you know, good dudes. Obviously, when you're getting in fights and all that, they they're letting you have it, you know. They, it, it was crazy. They, they'll slam you like it was, it was <laughs> it, and you're in the middle of nowhere. We were in the desert, like. It was, it was called Shures, Nevada. It's like, if you look it up on Google Maps, you're in the middle of nowhere. Wow. And um, and there's no running. Like, you can't AWOL. They'll, they'll let you, you know? Yeah. If you try. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. You're going to get ate by a coyote. You're going to dehydrate, <laughs> you know? So, but but uh, it was it was, it was it was cool, man, with, with, with those, those staff because um, they teach you a lot, you know? They teach you a lot about life. So... In, in many ways, it's good, you know. And then you, you think those are good things for for yeah. youth that are getting in trouble. Yeah, maybe they don't soak it all in 
at that time, you know. Yeah. But later yeah, on, exactly. maybe when they grow up a little bit and they're exactly. if they make it. In hindsight, when I look back, I'm like, okay, I see how that had an impact on me. Like, because I was like, a, I had a, a YA commitment where you sign, and if you don't make it there, you go to YA. So, so I I skipped YA because. Um, I I ended up AWOLing. It's a three-level program. Uh, I got to the last level, and I ended up going on a home pass. And uh, you grew up in Pico, you said? or Bell. Like, Bell, okay. Yeah. So I, I, I went to, we were over there at Tommy's on Whittier. Yeah. And, you know, back then was the cruising days, and one of my homeboys got killed. Hmm. Uh, this was in 94. And I was on a home pass, and I didn't make it back to catch my plane right here in, uh, in Ontario to go back to Oakland. And um, and so they were going to regress me. It's called regress. They were going to regress me back to the desert, back to Shurs. And I wasn't having I heard them talking about it like 2, 3 in the morning. So I told my girl, she was like my high school sweetheart. And uh, and she she we planned it. She came. I, I, I dropped my bags into her trunk. It was a two-story. She came late at night. And then I went to school. I was going to high school out there. And uh, after like I think first, second period during our break, she was waiting for me in her car. I jumped in, and uh, she drove me to the uh, Greyhound station in Modesto. I think it was in Modesto, and I missed my Greyhound. Well, and then she ended up driving me all the way back to to Rosemead. But um, but yeah, that that's that was uh that that's how I ended up out of out of out of that place. But I was sixteen, and the next time I got arrested, pulled over. I gave a fake name. And so if I would have gave my real name, I would have went straight to YA. But my homies were like, give a fake name, give a fake name. So I could go with them to the county. And so I went to the county at, at 16, you know, 16. At now. 16 years yeah. old. Which, yeah. yeah, you had to be 18, right, to get there? Yeah, yeah you got to be 18, yeah. But that was another thing I, I, I'm, I'm actually grateful for because I, I picked up a lot of that game early, you know. I picked up a lot of it early and – it definitely had a big impact. Uh, the county was, the county was something else, man. That that was like, it's like a whole other world in there too. Like, like you're in a whole another dimension in there. You know, it's it's like a jungle. Well, back then, it's still it's still the way county's county. But back then, you still had money. Um, you still had like you could have like shoes, and the reason that's important is because you, we used to get in a lot of drugs through there. You know, so there was drugs everywhere. It was like the streets, but now you're just in a confined place, and it's it was crazy, you know. And I was 16, so that was a whole nother. At first, even though I had already went through all that juvenile stuff, the element tries to creep in again. You know, the whole little like little fear, like whoa, because everybody's bigger. Back then, it seemed like everybody had. Brochas and they look different than they do now, you know. Twenty years old and look yeah. like grown men, yeah. you know. It's just yeah, exactly, yeah. So that's how it, it was, you know. And, and but I got I got laced up pretty pretty uh, pretty young, you know. And that's why I'm grateful for it. That that era, kind of like the way we were talking about how um, that era that we grew up in was it was foundational. It was, it was a, a time a, a foundational time. Same thing in the county to where. I picked up a lot of that, and and it, it went it went along with me in my career because it ended up being a career for me, you know, being in those places, you know, prison. I went to prison at seventeen. It's crazy because it looks like your your life was always you were always younger, yeah. And like you said, you were always smaller. I was smaller, always, I was always smaller, smaller yeah. younger, but you were always influenced. Like you're like everybody was like 
three, four years ahead of yeah. you. And you were, but you were right there with them. Yeah, I was right there with them. Yeah, I was picking it. I was always a little, you know, little homie that that uh, everybody kind of like gravitated gra- to. You know, yeah, kind of not take me under the wing, but kind of like, hey, you know, and and uh, that's why I say I'm grateful. I'm grateful for a lot of that. There's a lot of homies that I think back, and I'm like, wow, I wonder where that guy's at. Like, he he really, you know, put me up on a lot of stuff, and and a lot of it helps you to survive because it's about survival in there, you know. Uh, a lot of mind mind games, a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of things you can't even put into words. So it was, it was, uh, it, it definitely helped me in my, like I said, career going into prison, in and out. You know, I went to prison in '95. I was 17. 17 years old. Yeah. What was the What was your crime? My crime was. What was my crime? My first crime was, I believe, was a robbery. And I believe they dropped it down to a grand theft person. And it was only a couple years. I got a couple years. Um, but I, I right away started getting in trouble. Right in reception, went, went to the hole, you know, started getting in trouble. And the hole ended up, in a, you know, high, the highest level, a level four in Calipat. Um, and Did you they, just not care? You're kind of like at that age. You're like a knucklehead. You don't really mm. care. Yeah, you're, you're you don't really care, and there's a part of you like you you wanna like just be. You don't do it for that. It's just kind of in you. You know, it's kind of already in you. But but you know, if there's something that needs to be done, you wanna you know. I was the type like let's do it. You know, let's do it. Let's do it. And that you know that that kind of. Uh, Push me up, but I'm actually once again I'm grateful for that too because I ended up in a place where early on I was laced up, you know, level four. I seen a lot of stuff, and that prepared me for the rest, you know, the, the rest of of my prison time. So, um, and that's just reflecting back, you know. I I at the time you don't really see it like that, but now when I look back, I'm like, wow, like. It's a trip, man. You know, going. I, I would. I couldn't imagine like someone, like one of my family members or anybody young my age, going through that. You know. Right. Right. It's a trip. Well, where was your your brother at this time? My brother. He was. He went to prison too, but he wasn't. He wasn't like me. I was a little bit more of a knucklehead. You know. He 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 had his his little run, um. But he stayed out. For the most part, he he was out more than me. I was the one that was always in and out, in and out. Um, but he was there, you know, he went to prison. Um, he went to prison for attempted murder and they ended up dropping it to, I don't know, some type of battery or something. And he ended up only getting like four or five years and, and he got out and I think he only went to prison like twice and then that was it. But yeah, I was, I was the more, you know, just right back when you get out, right back in the neighborhood, you know, first day. Type of thing that you just can't wait to get out, you know. And now you, when you get out, you have more of a status. Yeah, and you kind of have that little, you know. And, and so that plays a role. And then, and then me, my my thing was guns. You know, I had a lot of cases with guns. I always, you know, I always had had to have a gun on me. I mean, it was those those days you had to, you know. It's uh, it's nineties, right? Nineties. It was yeah, a different. Was 90s, yeah. It was different. Uh, it was it was probably the worst time in yeah in probably LA the worst gangs. time in gang gang banging history you know so that that's one of the reasons that's one of the, the reasons that I would end up going back like 
almost every case that I got busted for, there was a gun involved, you know. So, um, yeah, that was it, bro. In and out, in and out, all the way, all the way. My whole, I spent more time in jail than I did actually living out, you know. So were you institutionalized by the time you were 17? You were just used to that per, lifestyle? Pretty, pretty much. I was already, I wouldn't say yet I was completely to where, fast forward 10 years, by then, yeah, you're already, because you're in and out, prison. Um, but yeah, I, I was I was already used to it. It was already something that you're already, you're already used to. and, and um, But yeah, the more time you spend in there, the more that becomes more your, your reality. And and so when you when you're out in the street, a lot of that stays with you, and you're kind of programming with that kind of you know uh, influence or that uh, I don't know what to call it, but uh, yeah, I, I was definitely institutionalized. I'm still, I've been out, I haven't been to jail in ten years, and I I believe I'm still uh, shaking some of that, where some of that is still like. Crowds, you know, um, even at church. Like when I first started going to church, like there's something about being in, in crowds where there's like a switch that goes on, and you're 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 just aware. You're aware. You're you're seeing who's who. You're you're you know seeing who makes eye contact with you or a certain type of individual. Like you you kind of keep your eye on certain people like stuff like I that. I just had a habit, right? Out of habit, yeah. Or maybe even some they they probably would call it PTSD, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Def- I've talked about this of- before, yeah, and other platforms for sure that that's there. The the PTSD um isolation it does something to you. I spent a lot of time isolated as well, not just in jail, but jail within jail in the hole um and that it does something to your mind you don't i i wouldn't know it then but looking back now it's like whoa like i can still feel it like i i I suffered with um anxiety a lot uh thank god you know thanks be to god that that it still it still tries to creep up but definitely that the uh, depression um and a whole bunch of other stuff that probably you can't even put a name to that's there but the Lord is is really what gets me through. I I can't I couldn't imagine not having the Lord, not having that that outlet for prayer, for worshiping God, the Word of God. You know, the Word of God does something in you. It's alive and it it it, it transforms you, it renews you. Um, so without that, I, I who knows who knows how I. I think the isolation, you know, that's it's crazy when you. I think most people just think, oh yeah, he's. He's 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 walking the yard today, or he's 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 he has friends in there. He's isolated for a day or two, but we're talking about isolation for oh, months, years, months, right? Years. Oh. Yeah, I spent years in the hole. And, yeah. who, and, and the only contact you have is what? Just your Sally, and and uh, there's no, there's no um, uh, what, what would you call it? Like like touching? Yeah. You know, just, maybe just with your Sally, maybe shaking his hand or something. But he's your Sally. You're not gonna be touching him, you know. So. Like, Hopefully not. Yeah. <laughs> Nowadays, maybe that, hey. you know, who knows, right? But, but, uh, the, we're talking about the 90s. This yeah, we're, we're talking, talking about, about the 90s. <laughs> we're talking about the 2020s, right? Leave that alone. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it would be like, 
like uh, let me describe the whole it's um prison you go back then we would have cages where it's just you and your cellie and then this is they're like kennels like dog kennels and they're just lined up in a row so um there's there's that's the only interaction you know and then on the tiers on for the, only like about a certain yeah, amount of time yeah, an day, hour right? two hours couple hours yeah and uh so but there's a lot of uh discipline that comes with us our our people you know mexicans southern mexicans were we kind of hold each other uh to a certain standard which is good you know um, uh, working out you know reading a lot of a lot of reading you know staying maybe, occupied yeah right? making sure your mind because you could i i literally have seen dudes go crazy from one day to the next like mm. literally bro like from one day and i'm talking about good righteous solid homies where they they just lost it they lost it and you try to bring them back bro like hey you know and and they're just they're gone wow yeah so it's a trip man it's to say to see people like literally go go out of their mind yeah in, in, in a night you, yep. you're like no but literally you've seen that because yep. you don't you don't know what's going on inside of another individual um i know what's going on within me so i could imagine you know i could only imagine what what someone else is going through like thank god i had my I still had people that loved me. I always had, you know, a female, you know what I'm saying? Like different females that you develop relationships with. So that kind of keeps you uh, I don't know, occupied, right? Yeah. Just something But there's to do. other other people that don't have that. They mean they may have lost their mom, you know, they may have lost a loved one. Uh, you know, their girl might have left them. I went through that too or the, you know what I mean? Um, but That takes a toll, bro. That really, I, I, I think back to um, well, we'll probably get to one of the the times where I, where I spent, you know, some quite quite a uh, quite a number of years in Alley County Jail and and uh, losing the the just that relationship type thing where it just they get tired and and that you you get you get um. You develop that bond, I guess. Yeah, it, it's a little bit different from being out, right? right. A, a relationship between a man and a woman. In, in there, it's more like an emotional, mental thing. And so, when you lose that, if you're not strong, it it, it can really mess you up. You know, most guys be like, ah, yeah, yeah. And I did have part of that with me. Like, you gotta be careful, like, because from one perspective, like, hey, they gotta do what they gotta do. They're out there, you know, but from another one, it's like when you love someone or you have that, yeah, feelings. It's like, uh, like, like. I'm sure you have females that you get things from, and then you have female yes. that you really, hopefully, she's waiting for you when you get out. Yeah, you want to get have someone on the team taking care of you, and <laughs> <laughs> that whole thing, you know, taking your calls, taking your calls, you know, packages, visits, all that. Right. So you, if we fast forward just a little bit. I don't know how much how much we're going to fast forward because I don't I don't know your, the timeline, but you are uh, ha- had a unique case. Yes, had a unique case. Can you? Uh, how old were you when this when this started going down, and what what was the the circumstances of this case, and 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 how you got out of that? So I'll start a couple years earlier before that because okay. it kind of links. So right around two thousand three. 
I got out, and this was the time where I I wanted to really do good. I had been promising my mom. My mom was sick uh, throughout the years, and I had been promising my my mom, I'm gonna do good. I'm gonna do good. And uh, this is like 13 years of yeah gangbang. Yeah, probably probably more, bro. More because remember I started like 87. Wow. So probably like. 16 years around there already. So getting in trouble. Yeah. Been in trouble. Been in trouble in and out. Um, and so 2003, I moved to uh, Rancho Cucamonga. And, uh, but I was, I, I had one foot in, one foot out. I would always go to the hood, stuff like that. But I started driving buses. I went and I applied. Actually, I lived in Pomona. I was with a girl that I, I lived there with, some, some girl. And we split up. Because of her work, she used to do, she was a dancer. Okay. And we, I didn't, you know, I started kind of having feelings like for her. Like folklorical or? Huh? Like folklorical or? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I wish not. It, it, it was, it, you know, it was, I, I used the, the good word, right? Okay, got dancer. you. And I started kind of having feelings towards, uh, towards, towards her. And I had a, um, I had a just leave it you know I, I i left and i needed work and i looked on the member the penny savers yep looked in the penny saver and i seen that they needed drivers i should uh, look for jobs in the penny yeah. saver too bro and, and i seen drivers i like driving so i went i applied bro at uh, foothill transit in pomona and uh they they i i remember talking to the guy and uh and i told him look man i told him i'm gonna be straight out with you obviously you could probably tell I already had tattoos on my head, all that, and and I'm like, look, you know, I'm I'm an ex gang, I'm, I'm not an ex gang member, but I'm, I don't know what I told him, something like that, right? Like trying to clean it up, um, but I need a I need an opportunity, you know, I I, I need an opportunity, and and I'm a good worker, you know, I just I need an opportunity, and he was like, you know what? He goes, just because you 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 said that, I'm gonna hire you. He goes, I, I'm an ex gang member. From I think he was from Riverside, Casa Blanca, somewhere over there, and uh, and and he I couldn't tell I couldn't tell he looked like straight corporate dude you know, and uh, and he goes I'm gonna hire you man I'm gonna, I'm gonna I feel something about you this and that and boom I started training driving buses, and that's when I was living I I moved with my mom in in a rancho right off of Baseline in Hellman, and uh, and then. I, I started gravitating more towards the neighborhood on and off. And I left the job, bro. Wow. I, I left the job. There was a lot of things. Drugs started coming into play. And I was never like that, like on drugs. Like, like a lot of people, thank God, because I was in and out a lot. But there was definitely that element. I started kind of dibbling and dabbling. I was doing a lot of overtime. And so I didn't want to be like that, bro working you know so uh i left the job and i went back to the neighborhood and i just went full force bro oh, I, I i went full force that that time that era that 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 little year that i was out was it was like a flashback back to the early 90s that's how kind of crazy it was um and uh i ended up going on a, on a high speed chase it was on my birthday a lot of things happened on my birthday that's what i was gonna say right now yeah on my birthday, bro, 2003, I went on a high-speed chase. I was in, Al- in uh, Alhambra, 
borderline El Sereno. Going towards El Sereno, my brother owned a home there, and we were we were staying there for a little bit, right by Cal State LA. And uh, I remember the cop getting behind us, and my my homeboy was supposed to get off and run, and uh, there was there was really nowhere to run, you know. And and but I was like, "What's up? You gonna go? You know?" And 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 I kind of hesitated, and I just stepped on it, bro. And I went, I jumped on the seven ten right where it starts, and and I lost them, bro. I I lost them. I got off on Fremont right behind that 7-Eleven. Yep. Boom, jumped out right there. We jumped out running and we got away. And me and my little homie were hiding in the backyard. He's 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 actually a, a director out there in, in VO Baldwin Park now. Uh shout out to my homie uh, Trippy Adrian. He we got away, bro. My other homie, he got busted right away. And we were in the backyard and they were looking for us. They had the choppers, broad daylight, early morning actually. And uh we're up to no good, bro. Early in the morning, just up to no good, mm. you know. And um, and and someone, some lady, we were, I guess the lady that we were in her yard, she seen us like hiding, and she called she she called them and, and they they gaffled us up. But that ended up being a blessing in disguise, man. Because I think if I would have stayed out there during that time, I probably wouldn't be here right now. Uh, and so I ended up. Getting 32 months with 80 for the uh, felony evading and uh, possession of a firearm. And then um, I caught another case in, in Sentinella. I went to Sentinella, caught another case for a weapon. Uh, and I went to the hole. That's when I ended up in the hole for like over a year. And then I, I went back to level four to Tehachapi. And I ended up in Corcoran. And then I got out January 1st of 2008. So January 1st of 2008, I paroled. It was a surprise parole. They cracked my door open. We were on lockdown. We were in New Cork in, in a sad F C yard. And, um, and I remember, bro, they cracked my door open. And they go, I, I was under an alias. They, they said, Gonzalez. That was my name, George Gonzalez. <laughs> They're like, Gonzalez, release. I was like, what? I was like, release? Like me? They're like, yeah, you want to go home, right? And I was like, check, yeah. So I went, just threw on my some sweats, and I told my Sally, everything's yours, bro. You know, I just grabbed a couple letters, pictures, and uh, I was gone. You know, gone. I jumped, jumped. I think they put me on a train. Went on a train, and then I went on a. On a I ended up like on a Greyhound type bus. And you didn't know why. I didn't. I knew that I had some time that that I was waiting because when I was in Tehachapi. Um, they they snatched up like probably like thirty of us homies. They someone dropped the kite saying that we wanted that we were trying to kill one of the COs, and so they got they got us a bunch of us you know that they thought that were were involved and they took us all to the hole, and so we I picked up time, but I ended up getting that time back because it was they couldn't prove nothing right. So they just want they just scattered us all to different prisons. New Folsom, Pelican Bay, all these different prisons. I was supposed to go to High Desert. I was I was endorsed to go to High Desert. That was another thing that ended up being a blessing. Um, and when I when I left that day that morning, my box said Sad F, which is Corcoran. Um, it's still a level four, but it's closer to home. And I had some people up there in High Desert that I would have. I had some personal issues with some people that were up there, and I. I, I'm pretty sure I would have got into some some stuff. I would have probably picked up more time, 
So that's why I say it was like a blessing. I ended up going to Corker and I paroled from there. But that's how that's how it happened. I wasn't, I didn't know what my release date was, and I guess they gave me that time back, and they just cracked my door open that day, January first. I I have a lot, a lot of these things happen on holidays or my birthday, times when I get out right. or I get busted. So I get out January first, two thousand eight, uh, and I I move in with my sister. In Rancho Cucamonga. She lived over there off of... What was the street? I'm trying to remember. It was off of Hermosa. I can't remember the street. But I moved in with her. Um, and But my parole office was in El Monte. And they were trying to force me. They didn't want me living out of the county. And I'm like... I'm like, man, I'm trying to stay out. Like, you guys want me to go back into that same environment? I said, I got nobody out there. I lied. I, I, my mom still had a place in, in Rosemead. But I didn't want to be there. You know, I wanted to do get good. caught up again. Yeah, I'm gonna get caught up again, and um, and and I had a six o two. There's something called a six o two where you 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 appeal. It's like you appeal, and I appealed Sacramento, and I wrote. You know, I'm I'm pretty good at at writing. You know, and that that's like my thing, and uh, I put together this this good six o two, and I sent it up, and uh, they 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 had no choice, bro. Like the way I put it. They had no choice but to grant it. They granted it, so I moved my parole to uh, San Bernardino County, which is out of Ontario, right there on Holt. I don't think it's there no more. But um, so I go, I, I move in with my sister, but I'm still going back to the hood here and there, not like gang banging, but kicking it with the homies, right. you know, and then going back and um, and and I'm going back and forth, and here's where. There was a, a this this where it all started with, with this case. I was at Ontario Mills, and I see a, a a couple of my homies that were there. See, that's why I don't go to the mills, bro. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I seen a couple of homies that were there, bro, and it surprised me because you know it's far from where, where I'm from, and uh, and I remember him telling me he's like, hey, uh, your your name's floating around in the neighborhood, you know, uh, there's this this case. And they're saying that everybody involved in this case is telling, you know. And I was like, what? I was like, my name's involved. Like, yeah, your name's involved. Like, So I was like, I went right back. Actually, that's the first day I went back. I hadn't went to the neighborhood prior to that. That that's how I ended up back in the neighborhood. The old adage, man, you try to get out and they always pull you back. Yeah, in. that's what pulled me back. Now that I remember, that's what. Uh, as soon as he told me that, I went straight back, showed my face. I went to you know go talk to whoever I needed to talk to. Like I'm here, man. They, there ain't no none of that going on here, you know. And uh, and so because of that, it's a pride thing. It made me kind of just stay around, bro. Like just 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 kind of stay and showing my face showing that i'm not i'm not doing that right because the other people that were involved they were um you know they were going that in route. other words you didn't have nothing to hide i'm here yeah, exactly so uh i remember the i remember the it was february 13th i'm at my homie's house um shout out to my homie brent um moreno he, he we were in whittier and uh I remember my sister calling me all scared, like, hey, they just came. They they raided the house in Rancho Cucamonga. They raided the house looking for me. Oh. And she's like, she's like, man, they came in here crazy, and they're, your P.O. is mad. And I'm like, what? I was like, 
I'm like, I, 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 I didn't do nothing wrong. Like, I'm, I'm allowed to, to not be home. You know, he was all mad because I wasn't there. I'm like, I'm, I'm allowed to not be home. Like, you know, I'll go see him. You know, I'll go see him. And she's like, they're, they're looking for you. He, you know, they're looking for you. He seemed real serious. And so I put two and two together. They came to look for me for that case. So I remember my homie, um, now that he reminded me, like, recently, I think this this last year, it was a, a crucial conversation I had with him. Because he had been in that situation before. He was busted for a murder in 96, I believe, 97. And he got out. And I remember, I was like, damn, bro, like, what should I do? You know, like, should I go on the run? You know, and, and uh, and you, I had to make a choice, bro. Like, I didn't know what to do. So, were, were, the, were they, was it based off of somebody from your neighborhood telling on you? I didn't know yet. I didn't know what was going on. All I knew is that, they just after you. is that this case, it was a 10-year-old murder that happened in 1998. It was one of my older homeboys that got killed right there in Rosemead. Um, it wasn't like an enemy or not. It was it was it was someone from my neighborhood. And, so and ten years after the fact. Ten years after the fact. But I didn't know the circumstances. I didn't know nothing. I didn't know I just knew the so called people that they that the their names were involved, right? Right. And um and so they had one of their one of the main things is they had remember I sent you an article? Yeah. So we we'll probably won't get into none of that, but just I'll just share a little bit. Um, I had a homie that was in Pelican Bay. He was there for years, years. My older homie, he passed away uh, in the county jail in 2013. But at the time, they I I believe they didn't want him to get out, and uh, they considered him like you know a special guy that they wanted to keep there. Their, they didn't want him to get out. And uh, anybody that knows my case, they know what I'm talking about. But but um. He, they, they took him to the county, and then I had someone else that was living in, in Ohio, in Salem, Ohio. Another person that was supposedly involved, excuse me, in the case. And um, they went, they seen him, and they questioned him. At first, he didn't cooperate, and then he ended up cooperating. So he mentioned my name. Kind of uh, sketchy, right? I mean, if he, he's living in Ohio. Yeah. But he had, he, 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 he his name was kind of... He had he had some issues that he he got away from the neighborhood. He wasn't really welcomed, so he was out there, right? I guess like That's, hiding out. Yeah, and, and um, so he mentioned my name, uh, and then another guy that was already had already pled guilty to this uh, homicide. He was already in 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 custody for this. He was already doing time for this. He was in in Calipat, I believe. So the detectives they went to go question him and that day he went into protective custody he cooperated he he threw my name in there and so my name was was already up in there i didn't know so, none of this at so time. do you think you so you weren't the main person that the um, authorities were trying to i kind of was but you got mixed up in that well they had me as the main shooter oh, okay but um, I wasn't. I, I believe the main one they wanted They're was my older homie. Yeah, the, yeah. So yeah, they. I was one. Of, so they were willing they, to do whatever. Yeah. It took. Yeah. So so, um, so what happened was, I'm having this conversation with my homie Brent, and he 
he had already been through this. I had never really been through that. I've been in and out, but I had never been busted for nothing like that. And I'm like, what should I do? You know? And I remember he shared a, he shared a, a, a story with me. Um, I was already kind of a believer, but not necessarily a biblical believer. I was more kind of like a new ager. I used to mix it all up. Uh, I believed in a lot of stuff, a lot of fake philosophies and stuff like that. Um, but the Lord was already calling me from back then, bro, from like 2003. So that time that I did those four years, I, I, I would read a lot of books, Christian books, stuff like that. Um, so I knew that something was going on. Some, something was definitely happening within me. And I remember he shared a story with me where, where he, he was looking up and he, he, I think he prayed. He said he prayed. I might mess up the story, so forgive me if I do, if he watches this. But I remember it was something along the lines of, let me show me a sign or something if you're gonna get me out. And I think he's seen like a shooting star or something like that happened, some supernatural thing, you know, in his eyes. And uh, he ended up getting out. I picked him up from the county that day when he got out. I'm one of the ones that picked him up. And so he told me, he goes, I think you're good. Like, just you know, j- just go, bro. Like, just go, you know, go see your PO or whatever. And, um, and and so I did. I went back. I, I, I remember it was February 13th because, remember I told you holidays. I went to go see him February 14th, Valentine's Day, 2008. I go to the Ontario uh, Pro Office, and uh, I walk in there, and I remember the one of the girls, the secretaries, she was kind of giving me a, she was like a young girl, and she was kind of giving me like a look, like kind of trying to warn me. You know, like, you know, like that look, but she couldn't say nothing. I didn't catch it, bro. I'm like, I was like, you know, but I, I noticed something, bro. I'm like, what? And I went in, bro. I walked in and I walked into a room full of just homicide detectives, oh. sheriffs, the, the gang unit with it the green, wait, green waiting. jackets. They're waiting, bro. My pro officer, the main parole guy from that office. And uh, they sat me down, table, kind of just like this. And, uh, you know, I didn't have nothing to say, bro. They tried to question me. I was like, I don't got nothing to, you know, tell you guys. You know, they try to scare me. They say, oh, you got a green light on your life and this and that. I'm like, what's that? You know, like, I don't even know what you're talking about, you know. And, and, uh, and so they slapped the cuffs on me, bro. Well, they actually, they offered me my freedom, bro. They, they offered me, they, they really wanted my, my older homie. And I'm like, I'm not going to tell you something that I don't know, like. You know, they were trying to force me, like, you know, and, and uh, they were like, look, man, if you, you know, cooperate, you're going to walk right out of here, you know, and I'm like, I don't got nothing to tell you, you know, <laughs> and so, all right, you're under arrest for the murder of whoop-de-whoop, and, and uh, I, I spent the next... Uh, were you, when they told you that, were you tripping out, like, what, yeah. like, this is, that's that's old? Yeah, yeah, I was, tri- yeah, of course, yeah, I was tripping, bro, but um, not, I wasn't, like, really showing it. Um, I mean, I, I was in a way, but I wasn't really like, you know, I was, I was calm, you know, I was calm. Uh, you already, I had already been interrogated yeah, a bunch you, of times for, you knew the for, game. for stuff. Yeah. They, they, they actually went to go try to question me for this same case in prison. They pulled me out. I remember a couple of times when I was in a Delano on the main line, I remember they called me for visit and, and the visit ended up being the homicide detectives. 
and they try to question me. They show me pictures, you know, once again, you know, I, I have nothing for them. And so um, I spent the next five years in the county fighting this case. And uh, five years in the county fighting this case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I represented myself, too, bro, for three and a half years. I was pro per. <laughs> okay, so you... <laughs> Those are two things that I, I think are pretty much unheard of. Five years in the county, mm-hmm. fighting a case, and three and a half years representing yourself. Yes. It, it, How did you end up representing yourself? So initially, it wasn't by choice. Uh, I was going to Pasadena Court. That's where the case was out of. And my first attorney, he didn't even show up to the first court date. So my mom, she... Got some money from my older brother. My older brother, he, you know, he, he he's well off. And uh, he gave her some money. She got me. We got an attorney. Um, but he only gave her so much. These attorneys, they, they want to keep getting paid. And so everything was going good with her. And then from one day to the next, she switched up on me. Her whole demeanor switched up. Like, I, I picked up on it. And I was like, hey, what's going on? And uh, she was like, oh, no, no. Like, you know, but right away, I, I was like, I seen it, bro. And I'm like, you know, you need to tell me the truth, man. My life's on the line. If you can't continue because of money, whatever, just you could back on up. I'll, I'll Even if I have to represent myself, don't worry. But I'm not trying to go into this if you're not going to, you know, defend me, you know, uh, to the fullest. And uh she didn't. She told me, but she told me without telling me, because lawyers wow. they're not they're not allowed to do that. She's not allowed to say, "Well, you know." But I picked up on it, so I was like, "You know what? You're relieved of your duties." Mm. And um, and then they was there. Yeah, I went pro per. I went pro per. It was right before my preliminary hearing. Did you just say I, I don't have a choice? You know, I, I'm not going to get no public defender or anything like that. It's going to so, be worse, so I might as well yeah, represent myself. Yeah, so it was kind of like a, a, a stall tactic as well and on my part. And I wanted to know the, the intricacies of my case. I didn't really know too much, like everything. I wanted to see what the lawyers have, the discovery. And they tried to rush me into my preliminary hearing at Pasadena Court. And so I, the, when I went pro per, I asked the judge for more time, and she didn't want to give me the time. She's like, no. She goes, you want to be pro per? You want to represent? Because they, they try to dissuade you as much as can. They, they hate uh, defendants to go pro per. Because most of the time, they're just, they're just wasting the court's time, right? There's, yeah, they think. I mean, not all the time. Yeah. But there are some yeah, guys. I mean, that, there's guys that study. And, and I and, did. You know. I, I became that guy. But at the time, I didn't know nothing, bro. I was... Green as green as could be, like I didn't know nothing, and I needed time, bro, to prepare. I didn't know, you know, I, 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 yeah. I hadn't even, I didn't have nothing in my hands, bro. I had no discovery, no nothing. So she tried to rush me in, and I'm like, Your Honor, I'm not prepared for this hearing. She's like, Well, you, I warned you, you know, you, you want to be proper, you, you need to know what you're doing, this and that, you know. I didn't know how to file a motion. I didn't know nothing, bro. <clears throat> so I had to relinquish my proper status. And they gave me this straight truck, bro. His name's Bismo, James Bismo, and uh, this dude was horrible, bro. We went into my preliminary hearing, and 
<laughs> he was like, sounds like some TV, some TV lawyer, yeah, man, on yeah. some show or something. Bro, and right? his look like he, he looked like, uh he looked like like a mixture of like Kramer. Remember Kramer yeah. from Seinfeld? He looked like 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 him, like a mixture of him and like Sepien, bro. That that <laughs> <laughs> he looked, he looked like a like funny, bro. He had this funny look, and he had this evil smile, bro. Like. You're like, like nah, man. Yeah, like just looking at him, talking to him, I was like, I didn't trust that dude for nothing, bro. And based on the questions I would ask him, like he like, like, like just put me off, and I'm like, hey, bro, you know, you're you're working for me. Oh, don't worry about it. I got it. like, nah, nah, nah. I'm I need to be involved in my defense. You know, I'm not gonna let you just, you know, do whatever you want to do. I need to be involved in my defense. So we right away, bro. We 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 were clashing. Even during the prelim, bro, I'm right there, like, ask him this, and he's like trying to like Shh, be quiet, like it was it was hectic, oh, bro. Man. Yeah, it was Your hectic. Life's on the line. Yeah, my you life's know? on the line, bro. And I'm I'm naturally I'm a fighter, bro. Like I'm I'm, you know, that's just me, bro. Like I can't just sit there, you know, and um, <laughs> and and so we did the prelim. As soon as we did the prelim, I fired him, bro. <laughs> I fired him, and um, and. They were mad, bro. They were all mad. The judge, she goes, "Well, I'm, he's gonna stay as your as your uh, standby counsel because I know you're not gonna go to trial on your own, this and that." So trip out on this, bro. This was the Lord started doing things that at the time I didn't I didn't see it, but once again looking back, I see God's hand all over my case. They transferred me from Pasadena Court. To CCB Court, Criminal Courts Building, downtown LA, that ended up being a b- blessing, bro. Because if I would have stayed in that court, the the conviction rate in that court is a lot higher than it is at CCB. The judges, the jury pool, it's it it it's a whole nother world over there in Pasadena, right? And so the court system, man, it's yeah, like the a, court, the, system. the luck of the draw, yeah. So they transferred us. Because of security issues, because my co-defendant, my older homie, um, and then they had another, um, my other co-defendant, he was in high power. He was on keep away from all of us. So for them to get us all into court at the same time, it was a big headache for them. Big security deal. They couldn't deal with it. So they, and, and CCB, they're, they, they, they're prepared for that. They know how to deal with that. So they, they, they sent us over there. And so that's where I ended up going to trial but um i was pro per i was battling bro i was battling and of course i learned how to file motions i started studying i started getting just from books books you go to law uh the law library every day so you go into this this room little small room bro with a bunch of like uh uh, screens and uh you start looking up cases case law is the key to everything case laws case laws so i started reading i i I had a legal runner my my ex-girl she would bring me, uh, she's, they were called legal runners. So I would look up the cases. I would tell her, okay, bring me this, this, and this. She would print them out and she'd bring me stacks of case law through the, through the visiting. And I would, I would get my, I would get that, take that back to my cell and I would study. I'm a, I'm a reader. I've, I've always been an avid reader since I was a kid. I had a, a love for reading. So now I'm, I'm, I'm learning about law, bro. So I'm, the case law, you're studying Cases that are similar to your yes. case, reading to them to see yes. what you can say. Hey, look at this. What I can use to—they're called—they're um, called 
basically points and uh, man, I forgot the name, but basically you find a lot case law. There's errors that happen in these cases, and so you get these supporting case laws to help strengthen your case. Right. Right. So you file motions along with these points and authorities. That's what it's called, points and authorities, along with your motion. And so the judge, they look at these and they see if there's anything that's um, that 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 uh, um, corresponds or, or that that basically. Uh, um, I can stick to your case. Yeah, that that's relevant. relevant. That's relevant yeah. to your case. And then I'm not just reading case law. I'm also reading law books, penal codes, um, anything I could get my hands on, bro. I'll, I just started studying, studying, learning all the terminology. Um, and and in there you gotta file the, the motions by by hand, bro, pencil. And so I I I focus strictly on that. But I also had to deal with jail. You know, I was on a 2000 floor and, and there was a lot of stuff happening at that time. And I was, by default, I was involved in a lot of the politics, a lot of stuff, you know. And so, you know, we're, we're, we're having, it was cracking, bro. It was cracking with, with the blacks, you know, with other races, even amongst each other. That's how I ended up in a place called 1750, which is high power, which is like, the worst you can go to within the LA County Jail is where everybody's at, all the big dogs, you know. And uh, I ended up there. I was still pro per. I would still go to the law library. So I was, I was just, I, I did a lot of, I did a lot of groundwork, bro. And I had a private investigator as well. So that I would send my private investigator on missions to go look at this, go look at that, the crime scene. I sent them here. They said that 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 night that that that. Uh, homicide took place that we ended up at a house in Ontario. So I had him go to Ontario and look up, you know, the address, like go look at just everything, bro. Take pictures. Um, and so there, there's, there's a lot, bro. There was a lot going on within those five years up, you know, preparing to go to trial. Um, and so that was, that was a, a, a big thing that actually helped me in my case because, I got to dig in to every single point in that case. I knew that case like like the back of my hand, bro. Everything. So most guys don't don't really know don't their know. don't know what's going on in their the case. The lawyer has all right? their stuff, yeah. They only and, know surface stuff. And they're working with you're talking public defenders. Yeah, if you got a truck, a dump truck, which they call them dump trucks, you know, you're screwed, bro. There's, because they they they're friends, right? With, oh, the, yeah. with, with they, the people that are trying to prosecute you. It's like wherever you work, wherever you work, you obviously you develop relationships, friendships. Make a deal. And that's how it is in, in these settings where they see themselves every day, in and out, in and out, year in, year out, month in. And so um, they develop these even friendships, you know. And uh, like you said, they probably, probably give, go to drinks after Go after to drinks, court. all that, bro. Yeah, right. You know, even... Romantic stuff, stuff like that happening, which is crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. So even judges, bro, even a lot of because a lot of judges are ex attorneys. Um, so, so where were we at? Um, you're 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 fighting your case. You're building a foundation. Yeah, but I was gonna, I was gonna get to something. Uh, so 
Um, yeah, I'm stuck. Oh, yeah. We're, we're, we're a lot of guys, they get railroaded. Right. Because they might have a good case, but because of their attorney. Uh, I think I heard you mention something like that. It comes down to economics. Yeah, that was with Jared. Me- okay, I was with asking Jared. Jared. I was I was telling him, man. Like, That's true, bro. Like, and, and my brother-in-law's he grew up in Boyle Heights. Okay, he's in, he was a public defender for a long time. Now he has his private practice. And not all, but he's like they're not all like that, bro. He's like it comes down it comes down to money. To unfortunately, money. if you have money, you can afford an attorney. You can afford a yeah. you know, private investigating. Afford a, somebody to help you out and and give you build up your case. Yeah, and not. You know, in their defense, not all obviously public defenders or state appointed are bad. Some of them are good. What he said, what he said is, we just don't have enough time. You don't have the resources. You don't have the time, the money, the resources. He has like forty cases that he was trying to get through and trying to work through, and he's looking at a guy that maybe he's facing twenty years, Mm -hmm. and they want to offer him five, and he's like, "Look, man, (laughs) take the deal." You know. Take it, yeah, because he's like we. That's don't, really what goes on. Not in enough the, time or resources. If yeah. everybody went to trial in the county jail, the system would would go. I was actually plotting something like that. I was thinking of of, of doing something like that because us like homies in there, like I said, we're we're pretty structured, so we have the ability to communicate. Like, if we want to do something, we can make it happen. We can make sure everybody, every dorm, every Every module is on the same page. Right. So I had, I was trying to find a way out, bro. And I had these ideas to, to uh, uh, get at everybody. I was going to run it through whoever needs to, it needs to be ran by. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? Let's everybody, every homie, everybody say that, they're, that we want to go to trial. And I was even thinking of hitting up the blacks and telling all the blacks, everybody that's fighting BK, hey, we're going to do this. You guys want to jump on this? Let's break down this system. You know, let's see what, you know, I, I, I planned on doing that, bro. Um, but I forgot what happened. Things started, you know, they unfolded differently. The, the hard part probably be, it would be long wait. Yeah. You, you and, would be trying to wait your turn in line, right? But it would, they wouldn't be able to. They wouldn't handle, be able to handle it. They everybody. would not be, if everybody went to trial, they would not be able to handle it. it there's like 90% bro plead. 90% of the cases, they all plead out. So that's that's what happens, you know. But yeah, even if it was 30% that went to trial. Yeah, even if it, it, even, it would break even, that. Yeah, even if it was that many percent, it, they wouldn't know what to do. Imagine everybody. So imagine, I my my thought was they're going to have to start releasing people. A lot of these, right. these, these lower, you know what I mean? And at least it's something. Like, let's, let's, let's do so. I was pretty, during those years, I would, uh, I, Considered myself like, like a revolutionary type. I was heavily into a lot of that stuff too. Um, you know, a lot of the, you know, Malcolm X, Che Guevara, um, Black Panthers, all the Black Panthers, Fred Hampton, Aldrich Cleaver, even like Sada Shakur, uh, uh, Geronimo Pratt. I read all those books, bro. Like, you know, Huey Newton, um, just I was I was heavily heavily influenced by a lot of that because I was I seen what it was, bro. The world for what it was, the system. How a lot of people were they were oppressed, bro. When when a lot of those dudes started rising up, they called them terrorists. They were you know because they they didn't want they called it a black messiah. They're, and all this is documented in in uh in, right. in, in, in it's all documented. You know there was a Freedom of Information Act that came out. I believe I don't know when. 
and they released a lot of these documents that even uh, Hoover, it was a war declared on on all these oh, dudes. Yeah. So I was, you know, it wasn't just them either. It was the American Indian uh, movement, AIM, uh, us, the Mexicans. Unfortunately, we've seen that now. Uh, yeah. Imagine the Freedom of Information Act being released now. Yeah. They're going after like. Yeah, conservatives, it's Christians, like, anybody, meant, yes. anybody that's going to start. Yep, we're not, all not a, not falling in line. They probably have us on a list, bro. Like, yeah, unfortunately, you're probably unfortunately. you're probably highlighted on there too. Hey, <laughs> hey I made it. <laughs> I made it. Don't tell nobody. <laughs> uh, so so yeah, bro. Um, you know, a lot of that, a lot. I was I was influenced by a lot of that. So my mindset was was. Was on that page. Fight bro. the power. Yeah. yeah. And, and I was even, there's something called becoming a, a sovereign, a secured party creditor where you take back, I don't know if you ever heard of it, you take back over your birth certificate. Because when you're born, you get a social security number, you're basically, you become part of the system. But there's something called a sovereign where you become your own, you're, you're, you're a flesh and blood human being. But to them, you're like a number, bro. You're a court. You're a corporation. That's even, a trip. Yeah, even America. That that goes deep, bro. I won't get into all that, but there's something that when you do that, you do that. I actually did that process, and and when you do that, you become your own entity. And now, when you go in these courts, you you remove yourself from their jurisdiction, and uh, you can actually put a lien on the judge it's a, there's a lot that goes that's crazy with, yeah there's a lot that goes with it you get a private investigator one of the homies did it he he he, he was busted for shooting uh some cops uh a homie from Southside Montebello and and uh he did it bro he he, he we we ha- I had my judge's uh address uh I I had their whole history bro I had my DA I had everybody's stuff in my cell bro that they came and did uh, uh, they came and hit ourselves when he did it. He went to court, and he was gonna put a lien on the judge, bro. And guess what happened? They ended up offering him so that it, this doesn't come out and become something big. They offered him like six years, and he jumped on it. And that day they came and they hit all ourselves, bro. They took all our stuff. Um, I was trying to get out any the, way I could, bro. I've only heard like the sovereign thing with like the the Native American. Same thing. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. But as a as a as a as a American citizen, um, there's people. You ever heard of these people? They live like in these. Uh, uh, what do they call that? Like, um, uh, it's kind of not not like a reservation, but it's kind of like a, a community like that. Like I would say, for example, like you know the Mormons. Right. They have these these. It's something like that. Um, but there's a lot of Americans that they they have their own land. And they have their own communities, and they're not part of the system. They don't even have, like, a license. Anytime you put yourself under their jurisdiction, now you put yourself, you know, you, you're you basically, uh, you're, you're held accountable to right. their governing rules. Right. And so the whole point of it is to remove yourself from that and to say you have no power over me. That's crazy. Because what controls a lot of the... This is maritime law. If you, it goes deep, bro. A lot of the government stuff is actually based on maritime law, which has to do with the sea, with the the ocean. It's crazy, bro. There's a lot of a lot of stuff. So I started learning a lot of this. I didn't know, you know. Well, I got they put us up on game. Some some dude that was in the feds. He was a black dude that lived right above us in the pro per module, and uh, he laced us up. He actually he was actually doing it, and he he's seen in the feds a lot of dudes doing it. 
So he's the one that put us up on game. That's crazy. Yeah. It was it was a trip, bro. It was a trip, man. Hey, it's within the law. It's within the law, yeah. You know it's what I mean? Yeah. So you 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 go to you go to court. So I ended up uh I prepared the case for my attorney. Well, here's what happened. I didn't have an attorney, but while I'm pro per, I knew I couldn't go to trial on my own, you know. So I knew I was going to need an attorney one way or another. I didn't have money. You, you know? did all the foundational I work. I did the foundational work. <laughs> so I I started, I, I had faith and I believed that God was on my side. He put a promise in my heart when I first got busted too. This is when I, I started becoming a believer, but I was still kind of mixing in with these different belief systems. But I for sure believed in the God of the Bible and Jesus, you know. Um, and, 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 uh. And so what happened was I started interviewing. Um, I would call the all the main a- attorneys, all the big dogs: uh, Bill Pittman, Andrew Flyer, Alex Kessel, uh, Garagos. Did you call Larry H? Uh, no, no, <laughs> that's for like drug drivers. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> but I called all those big names and Garagos. Yeah, yeah, Garagos. I interviewed yeah. them, bro. They came. They would come visit me because they didn't know I didn't have no money. I pretended like I had money, like I'm trying to hire an okay. attorney. So I was, I was, you know, playing playing the game, and I would ask them questions. I would go out through my notepad, you know, what would you do, you know, in this situation? How are you going to defend this? Whoop de whoop de whoop. And I would, I would like test them, bro. I'm impressed, bro. Yeah, yeah, you know, I would test them. That's smart. And and um, and and then I felt led by the Lord to go with Alex Kessel. Alex Kessel actually he. He told me, uh, for for the case I was fighting, it was a high profile case. So for a murder, average is at least fifty thousand. But for my case, which was my case, was like on the news. It was all over, you know, mainly because of my co-defendant. Um, and it was a lying in wait. It was it had special circumstances. They could have filed the death penalty on me because it was a lie lie in wait. And so um, my uh, Alex Kessel, he he told me, you know what? He goes. I would normally charge seventy five thousand for a case like this. He goes, but there's something about you that makes me want to help you. And he he was a Jew, bro. And he goes, he goes, I'll do your case for thirty five thousand. He said, if you give me, uh, I, I think he said five or seven thousand. If you if you just give if you can come up with that down payment, you can give me the rest in payment. And uh, unheard of. Yeah, unheard of, bro. And so. By a known attorney. Yes, by a big dog. Alex Castle, everybody knows him. And I I I just I was praying all that time. I'm 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 praying, bro, and I'm believing the Lord to come through for me. Man. And he came through, bro. Heck yeah. Some someone came through with the money for me. Not all of it, but with the with the down payment and and they agreed to, to pay it off for me. Wow. You know, that was the Lord, bro. Heck yeah. The Lord did that for me and, and uh that was a miracle in itself. And and uh, so I handed him my case, everything, all the groundwork that I did. He was like, he said what you say. He was like, man, I'm and I'm not trying to stroke my own ego, but but he tripped out, bro, because because that doesn't happen really, you know, like nobody does that. Yeah, it's like probably, here, call this person. They saw me. It's probably like said. like zero zero point one percent that does that, you know. A lot of there's a lot of blacks, bro. A lot of the black black brothers. Uh, they're they're pretty good with with law, bro. I learned a lot from a lot of a lot of uh, black brothers, homies too, Mexicans too. But a lot of them, 
they're they're on they were on that tip too you know the the whole revolutionary tip. right so uh that that uh that really helped me bro i handed him everything and uh and he pretty much was laced up with all of that and he's a good he was a trial lawyer that's his specialty he was a straight bulldog bro he was his whole the way he was you couldn't you wouldn't even you you would not even notice bro when he was in that courtroom he turned into a whole different person compared bro. to what you had yeah. previously you're yeah. probably like oh yes let's do this yeah old sepin <laughs> <laughs> so so he was man he was a cool dude bro shout out to alex kessel man he he was he was a straight blessing man um we went to trial and uh he did his thing bro he did his thing i i i i can't take i can't take that from him bro but um it wasn't in God's uh, plan, bro. At the time, they still found me guilty. I was still convicted of the murder. This was in uh, April 11th of 2012. I was already in four years. Was this a jury trial? Or? This was a jury trial at, at uh, CCB. Well, unanimous? It was, yeah, it was unanimous. They were struggling with it. There was, I, I, I believe I heard, my lawyer told me that there was like two or three that were kind of, iffy and they ended up they, they they're, there's something called a uh he's like the main juror he kind of takes control of right. that and he pretty much influenced them and, and talked them into Man. so boom guilty verdict guilty verdict comes in april 11th 2012 and um it's a trip bro by this time my faith in jesus is i'm already i already left a lot of the new age beliefs the lord corrected me Cause I started reading the Bible, I started learning the truth of God's word, and how a lot of these things are are actually things that Satan uses to keep people from the one truth that matters, you know. And and so my and coming from a guy, I don't mean to cut yeah. you off. Coming from a guy that studied case law, mm-hmm. I mean now you're studying the Bible. I looked at it like that, right? I looked at the Bible as like I'm the type of dude that I need a. I need to know, like, I need to make sure that I'm not believing something that's false, bro, you know? And so I started reading up on a lot of this, the history, how historical, you know, uh, the historical evidence, archaeology uh, validates the word of God, bro. Uh, just everything, bro. Secular history, bro. Like, it it all pans out, bro. That's a trip, because uh, when, when people don't believe, I always tell them to read, like, Lee Strobel. Right, <laughs> Lee Strobel. That's my boy. I love that dude. Right, bro. and I tell them because I go, he's not a believer, but he was an investigator, and the way he proved- he was actually the opposition. He was opposed. Right. So the way he proves that Christ was 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 real is he looks at it from an investigative standpoint, and and his whole thing is to try to prove that he's not. Mm-hmm. And he he goes through the steps and everything, and it's boom. He proves it. it yeah, he it, went. It's got to be real. And I'm into I'm I'm heavily into apologetics. So when you say that, I I, I think of that. Yeah, right? Lee Strobel. Let's let's prove the point here. Yep. William Lane Craig, uh, uh, Frank Turek. I, I'm Charlie in, Campbell. Yeah, I'm into all Love of Charlie those, Campbell. bro. Uh, 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 what's his name with his son? The guy that wrote a I gave a Lucky from Hoodstocks the book. Um, uh, evidence that demands a, a verdict. Uh, I forget his name, but awesome apologist. So yeah, bro. I I was looking at. At the Bible, from that standpoint of of you know trying to 
prove it and all that. But it's not only that. The Holy Spirit began to right. reveal because it, it's a spiritual book too. Because you could read it, someone can read it, but the Bible says that that uh, it's, the Bible is to be spiritually discerned. And so, without the Spirit, you can completely miss what we see right. in the Word, right? Because the Word of God is alive, and and to other people, it's just pages on the book. They say they think it's just a book. The Bible is not a book. It's a composition of 66 books written from like thousand, years. 1,500 years yeah. with 40 different authors, and it all corresponds together. It's all a perfect. It's in sync. Intertwined, bro. yeah. Intertwined. Everything's just, you know. And so I began to, to you know, realize all this, and, and it strengthened my faith, bro. And then my faith that I was going to get out, standing on the promises that God gave me, um, it was strong. So when I got convicted... I, I was able to, I had peace in me, bro. And wow. I, I, I was able to have a smile on my face. You know, driving back from court to to to, uh, to the county jail. Yeah, there was some tears, bro. I'm not going to front. There was there were some tears. You know, the, the guilty verdict. It, it hit me a little bit. But uh, I felt God's presence with me on that bus. And, uh, and I, I was like, I'm in your hands, Lord. Like, I know you got me. He had already demonstrated to me over... And over that not only is he real, but that he loves me. That he loves me specifically, not in a general sense. Like the scripture, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That that Most people take that as a general sense. But no, that's a personal promise invitation to all, to everybody. And I personalized that. That was a personal promise to me. And I was standing on that. I began to... To really stand on it and I thank God man that that he became real to me bro and I developed a relationship with him and um and so my wife she she she'll she still uh mentions it sometimes as part of her testimony where um she wasn't my wife then she wasn't even my girl but I, I called her she was there during my trial but she was just a friend I remember calling her that day and uh you know and I was laughing with her and she like she's tripping out like how are you laughing? Like, you just got convicted of murder. And I'm like, man, God is good, man. He's going to get me out of this. That ain't nothing. That's just, it, that. this is just going to show that it's all him and mm. not me. It doesn't mm. matter all the, the pro per stuff. I can't take the credit for none of that. It's it's all him. He's the one that's going to do it. And sure enough, bro, from, from, that, from that day forward up until, I believe, January, I know of January of 2013, um, we were preparing a retrial motion. And what that is, is when you get found guilty in trial, you can file a motion to have a retrial based on whatever circumstances you're going to help support you, right? Mine was insufficient evidence. They had one dude, the dude that was in, in prison that was already... Um, doing time for that case saying that I did it. That's it. What was his benefit though? His benefit was he, Less time? he was trying to find his way out. Wow. At the time there was no like deal like you can get out. But he believed that in the long run he can probably ask for for uh, uh um uh what do you call that? Um uh I forget um I'm looking for the word leniency that kind of stuff where 
a reduced sentence. A reduced sentence. You could, hey, I, I helped, you know, and this was a, a big case, like I said. I helped put this guy away. I helped put this guy away, you know. And, that, that's and, crazy to me because he was willing to risk it all with nothing guaranteed. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did risk it all what? with nothing guaranteed, right? He's out, bro. Oh, okay. It worked for him, you know? I guess so. But, hey, hey God bless him, bro. I, I, I already forgave him, you know? I forgave him. I prayed for the dude. I probably wouldn't, you know what I mean, hang out with him or nothing like that. But but, <laughs> but um, if it wasn't for him, I think back on my life, bro, and I think back, I wouldn't be who I am if I didn't go through that. I would never met my wife. I met her while I was in jail. Um, I wouldn't have my beautiful kids. I wouldn't be probably here sitting in front of you sharing this testimony so yeah it, it, it was it was a, a big deal in my life I, I i definitely suffered a lot bro um but it, you you might not have been alive i might not have been alive who knows how my life you're, that's a good point i i i more than likely wouldn't have been alive because i know the way i was i know myself and it, once again it's not to puff myself up but I was all in in the, in, in the hood life, bro. Like, that was my whole life. I, I put that in front of my family, in front of everybody. Even though I loved, like, my mom, everybody, it's obvious what I chose, you know? I chose the hood above that, bro. So, um, you know, that, 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 uh, that's all they had. That's all the evidence they had. So we filed for a retrial. And it took from... April to January for the judge to actually hear the motion, to actually look at the motion, look at the supporting case laws and all the and the penal codes and all this for her to uh, uh, rule on it. And and she was going to rule on it right before, like right around October, November, but then the holidays came. And so she put it off past the holidays. So in January, uh, we go into court here. Here's a, a, a Here's another miracle that happened for me, bro, that I look back on. So we walk into court, and I had, a, I had an experience. Uh, I believe in the gifts of the Spirit because I had an experience when I was there in 1750, in high power, in isolation. I was reading the, I was reading the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. Right when I got to, I believe, verse 3, something came over me i know i believe now is the, the holy spirit i believe i was baptized in the spirit i didn't even know what that was and i started literally praying speaking in another language bro like i didn't know it was just and there's a lot of people that don't believe in that i believe in it because it happened it happened to, to you me. yeah it happened to me nobody could tell me different and i lost all track of time i i didn't know and i just felt God's presence heavy, bro. Like it was just, and from that day forward, I've been praying. Not that's not the only way I pray. I don't believe in doing that openly in front of all. Like there's a lot of people that kind of take it to the extreme, and I don't. I don't believe that's biblical. I believe it's it's a it says it says in Corinthians that it's a uh, it edifies you. It's for your edification, and and the Lord He knows what you're saying. You know, and then there is another type where you should have an interpreter if you're going to do it openly in front of a congregation. So there's a way to do it, you know, but I didn't know nothing about that. So I went through that experience. So trip on this, when I go into that court date, that hearing, I'm praying in the spirit under my, my breath. 
and I believe I I believe in the the power of scripture, um, not like in a word of faith type of way, but I do believe that the word of God is is powerful. You you get the word in you, and you speak the word. There's power. It says that 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 the that life and death are in the power of the tongue, and so I I was quoting the scripture. Um, I. I started memorizing scripture. I would have all these scriptures on my walls, even while we're busting down doing routine. I would have, I would be quoting these scriptures, and I would have like a page, and I'll have like seven scriptures on each page, and I had page, 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 page all over, bro, all over my cell on both sides. All these scriptures I got into into, into my heart, and I started standing on those promises, bro. Mm. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. You know, uh, uh, uh. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. All these scriptures, bro, I was in spiritual warfare too in that place because there's a lot of evil stuff going on in there. Um, and so I had this scripture, uh, uh, Isaiah 54, 17, no, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And any tongue that rises up against me in judgment, you shall condemn. For this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And my righteousness is of you. And I was quoting this scripture under my breath. And when the DA got up to speak, I kid you not, bro. This dude was an articulate dude. He could not speak, bro. Something was literally making him stumble over his words. So much to where the judge said, sit down, have a seat. Like she straight told him to sit down, bro. And, and 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 uh it was amazing bro i knew it was the lord like i don't take credit for that i know that it was the lord moving on my behalf and uh she granted she goes in 24 years on the bench i've never granted a motion for a new trial she goes but i have to do it in this case she granted the new motion and the the murder conviction was removed it was as if i was never convicted of murder and uh i was still incarcerated from January to March, my attorney found a case law called Hudson versus Louisiana. It's a 1981 case. Some dude, some black dude from Louisiana who had similar circumstances. His trial, his, uh, uh, he, they made a mistake on his case and he was granted a new trial. And then they try to take him back to trial with that same evidence. And that, that fell under the double jeopardy clause under the United States Constitution. So that well, that 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 played a role in my case, to where they couldn't use the same evidence in my case. They couldn't take me back to trial with that same evidence. It would have been double jeopardy, and so wow. we, we filed a motion for dismissal with that supporting case law. So that case law was my ticket home. That's what God used to get me home. When we got that motion heard, March fifteenth, two thousand thirteen, the judge said. You know what? She made a big speech. I still have all the paperwork. I have everything, bro. And I'm working on I'm working on on a book, bro. I started a book years ago. It's just time and work, ministry, and all this. It's, it's hard to get it in there, bro. You know, but but I want to put everything in there. There's a lot of stuff that I I won't share here on a platform, but I'm gonna put that in the book. So good, man. I you think I, I sent. You know, you sent me that 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 little that article, right? And it was more like a. Uh, like a law article, right? So yeah. I was having a hard time, like, 
yeah. understanding it. So I sent it to my brother-in-law, right? I said, Art, can you can you break this down for me? So he told me, and I'm like, man. And I go, unheard of? He goes, very rare. <laughs> yeah. He's like, very. he goes, very rare, but it's just double jeopardy. Can't try him for the same crime. Yeah. And so I was like, man, bro. And, he, and even he, he was like, he was like, that's pretty cool. Because he's, he's, he's big on what can I find? <laughs> The legal route, right? What can I find, like, yeah. to make... And there's a lot, bro. There's a lot of stuff out there. And you... I mean, time, mm-hmm. finances, all that plays a role, all right? All that plays a role, yeah. Maybe people are not as articulate, our readers like you were, yeah, or yeah. somebody willing to put in the work, and then you Definitely. put in the work, and then boom. Definitely, yeah. And it was, ultimately, it was the Lord. I know it was, it was the Lord, you know? But, yeah, he used human means, right? Right. Uh and the, the judge, here's another big one that I didn't mention, and I mentioned it before in other platforms, where the judge that I had, her name was Kathleen Kennedy. If you look her up, she was O.J. Simpson's preliminary hearing judge. So before he was, she, he went to Lance Edel. Remember Lance Edel? Yep. She, I used to see Lance Edel when I was in her courtroom. She was right next door. Uh, I was in 109, Lance Edel was 110. And uh, uh, O.J. got bounded over from her court to Lance Edel. So he had his trial with Lance Edel, but he started off with Kathleen Kennedy. She was supposedly the worst judge in that whole uh, building. And I had I had got out of another judge, uh, uh, I forgot his name, uh, older black guy. He was he was violating. I didn't even mention that part because it, it goes on for, there's so much in between, bro. But he was violating uh, my rights, bro, to, to litigate my case. I would go in there and I'd be citing case law, lacing the record, and he hated it, bro. He he hated my guts, bro. Just looking at me, like I could see it. Like he hated someone like me. You know, I'll go in there, bald tattoos. I'm poppy <laughs> law, you know what I mean? And playing they, the game. Yeah, and, and you could just see the disgust in his face, like, and he would he would shut me down. Like he used to use psychological tactics, bro. They used to work too, bro. I used to get frustrated. I'd walk out of there. I'm not going to lie, bro. I would walk out of there so mad. I would cry sometimes, bro. Just, oh, like, you know, and then I have to come to the Lord. Like, Lord, help me, Lord. Help me through this. The Lord got me through a lot of these these times, bro. You know, a lot, a lot of that's why, that's why I surrendered to him, bro. Because, because, because uh, uh, he, 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 he not only showed me that he loved me, but he proved to me that he was there with me. I was, he was right there with me. You know, and and uh, and so I ended up in I, I filed a motion to get out of that guy's courtroom, which is another. Un- if you ask your your who, who is it, your brother, my brother-in-law, ask your brother-in-law, bro, if someone's able to if someone's able to to, to just leave to trade courtrooms, like if they don't like that judge, if they're able to go to another judge, that doesn't happen. bro. That's literally almost impossible unless you can prove some. I was able to prove it, bro. Me just pro per with no help. The Broker. Lord's help, just the Lord, bro, and 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 I filed a big motion, bro, and I didn't, I wasn't sure if I should do it because I was like, man, if something else could go wrong, they could put me somewhere. Word, like, and I was praying. I remember being in the law library, and I remember praying, Lord, show me that I'm supposed to do this. And there was an earthquake, bro. <laughs> there was an earthquake right when I was praying, bro. As soon as I was praying, boom, and I was like, what? I'm not saying that it was like he did that just for me, but in my eyes, he did, bro. Like it was- I, I think God just stepped in many times in your life, bro. Yeah. And like you said, there's probably 
tons of other There's things so that you can, you can say. And for a guy that probably, I wouldn't say in a bad way, skeptical, mm-hmm. but just just wants evidence, <laughs> wants, yeah. wants, yeah, yeah, you know, wants to be. Just prove it to me then. Yeah. And and, and God Which says, I believe is a here, is, let me prove let me prove it to you again and again and again. I believe that's important, bro. I I, I shout out to a lot of those people that they, they 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 may be unbelievers, they may be maybe agnostic or they kind of believe, but they may not be like full blown atheists. So I'm not mad at, at them, but I believe if they take the time, if there's someone watching right now, if you take the time to really without a biased mindset if you just start out neutral and you go and you search it out and you go look at the evidence that is there like uh lee strobel did i believe you will come to find the truth you know and the truth is there you know but the devil's done a good job of of trying to hide it of hiding it of trying to you know mix this in there and all these different lies and a lot, a lot of this controversy you know even a lot of stuff was like the Catholic Church, which they're not really, you know, some of them could be considered uh, a Christian, but for the most part, their belief system, it, it doesn't fall up under uh, uh, the evangelical, you know, Protestant Christian faith, you know, right. biblical Christianity, because they believe in a works-based salvation, which isn't biblical. They believe that the Pope is actually God's uh, uh, he's in place of God. He's yeah. God's representative, which is that's that's not true, right? But, um, so the devil's done a good job in kind of, uh, uh, uh camouflaging all this stuff and creating all these different beliefs, which those things are from the devil. People think that those things are of God. They're not of God. They're actually of the devil, Satan, the liar, the great deceiver to deceive. It says that the whole world falls under the sway of the devil. You know, the whole world. So, um, so yeah, bro. That that was that was that was pretty much how um, I ended up uh, being set free on March fifteenth, two thousand thirteen. The judge she did say, Kathleen Kennedy, she did say that she thought I was um, maybe there or somehow involved, but that by the law she had to she had to. Uh, uh, judge according rule according to the law, and and uh, that she said that the they, the government couldn't prove that that I was involved in this case, and um, they fought it, bro. They fought it. The DA, when I got out, immediately they went to the higher courts and tried to fight it, and so now there's a case law under my name. Um, yeah, there's a case law under mine. Somebody's using your case law yeah, now, bro. Exactly. Yeah, because uh, they try to fight it, and the higher courts ruled in my favor. They said, "No, that judge ruled according exactly how she should have." They couldn't take him back to trial because they couldn't prove it the first time, and that judge would have never granted that motion if it wasn't called for. You know, so it's crazy how that works because the 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 law could definitely work against you. Yeah. But here we got, of course, you had God on your side. But then the law worked for you. All my life, I was I was one of those, like, against the law, against the government, against the cops, all that stuff. And, and, and against the system. Because the system is flawed, bro. There's so many people that never had an opportunity to have a fair trial because of what we were talking about earlier. 
mainly finances, you know, economical. Or they don't know. Or they you don't know. know. A buddy of mine. Uh, Ignorance. At, at work. 13 years. He had, uh, I think he had life. Mm-hmm. Did 13 years. Started studying. Fought his case. Found that under the 14th Amendment, he has the right to uh, cross-examine his accuser. Mm. They never let his attorney do that. Yep. That, they that, had to let him free. Wow. That stuff happens all the time. But look at... If he look, didn't know... Look how much time he lost, 13 though. years. Look how much time he lost. That kind of stuff should be brought out from the gate. Right. But usually it takes all these years. That's another miracle that happened for me, is that when we filed for that retrial... For that motion, you know, I didn't stay in there 20, 25 years for it to be granted. It happened right away. So that was a whole other thing. God had a whole different plan for my life, you know. So I got out, bro. I walked right out of the criminal courts building. My wife was there waiting for me, my sister, uh, my cuñada. So you had the you you had the the lady the one you wanted waiting for you. So she was she, she at that moment at that point at that point when I got found guilty. Shortly thereafter, she became my girl. Nice. So she was there. So she was there when I got out. Um, and we started getting hit right away, bro. The enemy straight tried to destroy me. As soon as I got out, bro, as soon as I got out, I, I had nowhere else to go. I went back to Rosemead. And my, my mom, she, she had just had an open-heart surgery at Garfield Medical Center right there in Monterey Park. Um, and I popped up on her. I remember, bro, she, didn't, she never knew I got, I got convicted of murder. And she seen me. She she couldn't believe it, bro. It was, it was a beautiful moment, man. You know, seeing my mom, and uh, her finally seeing me free. And uh, so your mom saw you as a changed man. Yes, that was that's a, awesome. That's what really blessed my heart, bro. When when she left, and the Lord used me to bring her faith in Christ. Wow. She she was she was a Catholic all her life. She believed in the Santos. She used to pray to all the Santos. The she used to do the promises where they wear like certain things to like do promises wow. to these these saints, San Julas and all this different stuff. She used to even do like the little limpias and that's witchcraft, you yeah. know. But they mix it as they, they you know, once again Satan lies making it seem as something good, but it's actually of the devil, you know. Um and uh and I had preached the gospel to her prior, but she she used to fight me on it. You know, because the tradition is strong, bro. Oh, yeah. The Mexican tradition with the Catholic, is it's a strong hold, actually, that's there, that exists. She would fight me on it, you know, or she would just dismiss it. But uh, one time she was at this, uh, at this, um, what do you call that? It's a recovery after when you get out the hospital, like we're old folks hospice? homes. Yeah, no, not hospice. It was like a, uh, prior to hospice, it was like a, like a, com- kind of like a convalescent. It was a, a rehab rehab for her to get back uh after she had um uh, she she ended up on uh, life support for some other stuff and she came back and uh i remember sitting sitting down with her and explaining to her um the gospel you know and and presenting it to her and showing her the difference of what the bible says as opposed to what she's believed and uh and and you know she didn't understand all the intricacies and all that but she understood enough to where she placed her faith in christ and I seen the difference, bro. I was wow. able to see the difference, you know. So that's that was my my. Uh, that was your uh, cherry on top of everything, yeah, right? Because that that was my worst fear is losing my mom when I was busted. 
you know, because because when you're in there for any youngsters, anybody out there living that life, um, you know, that that's a big one. You don't see the pain that you're putting, especially your mom or your parents through. Uh, but you can hear from someone like me, you know, the only ones that are really there that really love you is your family, you know, and especially your mom. So, so, uh, uh, you know, consider it, man, consider it. And even if you've already been doing it, you can change that right now and start showing your mom that that you love her and that because you you never know you know you can lose her anytime any moment and uh, uh, sometimes we don't know what we have till it's gone right we take it for granted so I would encourage you to to learn from someone like me that's actually wisdom and is learning from someone instead of having to learn through your own mistakes learn from somebody else so you don't have to go make those same mistakes you know yeah a wise wise man learns. From his mistakes, yes. a wiser man learns yes, from the from stakes others. of others. Exactly. Hey, bro, I appreciate you coming through, man. I mean, I say you write that book, bro. Yeah, it's it's in the works, man. It's put in that, the works. put that, put that, put that book in order, man. What what is, what is Isaac doing now, man? Before we wrap it up, what are, so, what are you up to now, man? There's so much, man. The Lord's been moving in my life. Uh, we do have also have a, a YouTube channel called Righteous by Faith. You can just type it in on YouTube, Righteous by Faith. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get back into a lot of that. It, it started out um, in a transition when we left uh, the ministry we were at, where I was telling you off camera, and um, and where we're at now. It was in the in the middle, and, and I just had so much in me that I had to get out. So I, we, my wife and I created this, this ministry. The Lord, you know, gave us this ministry, and it's still there. Uh, I work with a lot of men. That's actually something I want to mention I, uh, the Lord kind of, uh, threw this on my lap, you know, I'm involved, uh, you know, in, in, in men's ministry, of course, in my church and, and, uh, you know, different stuff, life group, uh, men's group. Um, but something that I do personally that the Lord has called me to is working with men, uh, out, even aside from the distance, uh, thank God for technology, even the phone, Zoom, StreamYard, stuff like that, where, I go on these platforms. I've been on a lot of secular platforms like Hoodstocks, American Cholo, Street TV, and, and so that's Melissa's favorite channels, right yeah, there. Bro. Yeah, and people reach out to me, have reached out to me because I went on these platforms. So shout out to them, and especially Hoodstocks, bro. Yeah, the Lord used one of my interviews. There's still people calling me because I shared a. I didn't get to share here, uh, but I, I shared a. a couple of suicide stories where I almost committed suicide. I almost committed suicide, actually, the day I got arrested. Mm. But uh, um, uh, uh, people have reached out to me. You know, I'll just share uh, two quick testimonies. One brother, he was he was suicidal, going through it, uh, marriage, you know, on the rocks. And, uh, you know, I don't take none of the credit. The Lord, he's the one that puts the pieces together. But he led this young gentleman to hit me up. Um, I was able to lead him to the Lord. And... Uh, Help them find a church. I sent them a Bible. I love sending people Bibles, the study Bible that I had when I was busted. Um, because one of the homies, uh, shout out to my boy, a drifter from uh, uh, Arizona, Maravilla. I remember him knocking on my on my side right there in the Pro Per module. And he, he stuck out his hand and he put this book in front of me. I wasn't really into the Bible yet. And I'm like, what's this? He's like, here, that's yours, bro. My tia sent it to me. He goes, I know you... You're into all that God stuff, you know, and, and 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 he goes, you'll probably put it more into using me. So I grabbed it. I still have that same Bible. That's where God spoke to me 
from a New King James uh, Nelson Study Bible. And so whenever I make a connection like this, I the Lord has put it in me to to uh, send these these men the the same a more updated, more with maps, nicer version. But I send these Bibles to them, and then I kind of work with them where I'll help them get plugged in somewhere um, and still talk to them, try to do some some long-distance discipleship. Um, and so this is something that it, it, it would happen to me throughout the years, but now it's happened so much, it's become a ministry. So this is actually a ministry. Anybody out there, uh, even if it's not you, if you may know somebody, uh, you guys can find me on uh, on. Instagram, righteous by faith underscore RIP. Those are my initials. It's not rest in peace. Those are actually my initials. <laughs> um, and I also do, uh, I, I do a, a Christian uh, music, hip hop, Christian hip hop. I haven't done it for a while, but I'm going to get back into it. I'm going to release an album first quarter of, uh, I mean, the second quarter of this year, early second quarter, right around April. I'm, I'm shooting for, um, and, uh, my, you know, my wife and I, we also, we, we do stuff together, um, kind of the same stuff that I was uh, telling you about, like counseling. Um, so I do a little bit of everything, bro. And, and this is actually where the Lord uses me. And I love it, bro. I love being able to help somebody. Even the distance doesn't make a difference, man. I've reached out, you know, even a, a, a whole family, bro, out there in San Diego where I was able to lead the entire family, little kids, bro, to the Lord, bro. You know, another brother out there in Ohio, man, shout out to my boy, uh, Mondo. He was having issues, bro, with his, he lost his family, his kids. He came fully surrendered to the Lord. His faith is growing strong. He's in the word. His his whole life is in God's hands, and he knows that God is moving in his life, man. Um, and so this is what brings me joy, bro, purpose in my life, you know. Amazing, um, bro. There's a lot more. You know, but whatever, wherever the Lord leads. But this, this is where I'm at now. Going on these platforms, sharing. Thank you, bro, for for uh, even for uh, coming, having me here, bro. And, Thank and, you for uh, coming. It's a blessing, man. I, the Lord put it in me to continue to do this. That's why I actually reached out to you because I never um, have been on a Christian platform like this. And and so the Lord has led me to continue to to do that because there's been fruit from that. So uh, that's why I'm here. That's why I do what I do. So. It's awesome, bro. There's fruit. That's what I was going to say right now. There's fruit from 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 your salvation, from you yes, surrendering sir. to God. You can see it, bro. And uh, my pastor's big on that. Is there fruit? Mm-hmm. Is there fruit from it? Yeah. If there's fruit from it, you know it's good. Exactly. We do one last thing, bro, yeah. before you head out. It's called the Street Gospel Furious Five. All right. We have a little, little we have a little fun with this with this one right here. We ask you five furious questions. Give us some good answers here. Okay. Question number one on the Street Gospel Furious Five, Mr. Isaac Pedroza. If somebody played you in a movie, who would you pick to play you? Wow, that's a good one. I've always wanted to do that myself. Are you going to play yourself? Yeah, that's actually been something that's been marinating for years where people have hit me up even like have told me like, man, you should do this. But if I have to choose someone, an actor, man... I don't know of many. He would have to be Mexican, right? He could be what? Uh, 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 I mean, I don't think it can. It has to be someone. And I can't think of someone. Man, the only guy I could probably think of is 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 uh, baby jokes, maybe. Uh, um, baby jokes. Uh, oh, the, the what's his name? Uh, yeah, yeah, baby jokes. I know him. baby Joe. I actually I met him like in the county. 
um, from two and three, but now he's known as what? What's his name? Uh, uh, the, the the exercise dude, yeah, the, the comedian. Uh, 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 no, 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 no. Baby jokes. Um, what's his name? Came out on uh, on the Mayans and um, um, I know who you're talking about now. With the long hair, now he does. He, um, <sighs> what's his name? He has the coffee. He came and through, yeah, he has the coffee. He came through Homeboy Industries. Yeah. I mean, that's the only. I know, I know you're talking I about. I can't that. think that, of that. Would be good. Yeah, I can't think of. No Do you know his name, Liz? Um, I forgot his name. Cabral. Cabral. Yeah, yes. Richard Cabral. Richard Cabral. Yeah, there that's the go. only guy I could think. Hey, of. that's a good pick. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. All right. Yeah, Richard Cabral. You need to come on the podcast. <laughs> Bring some yeah. coffee. Bring him. Yeah, that pito coffee or something. Yeah, yeah. that's what it is. Uh, question number two on the street gospel furious five. What type of music do you listen to? Right now, it's mainly Christian gospel music. Okay, but uh, I I I stopped listening to a lot of Christian hip hop. But that's that's pretty much what, what I listen to. I don't really listen to much secular. Um, once in a while, like on the way over here, we listen to a little bit of the old uh, disco. Like I said, <laughs> my, my son loves it. Um, so I I but I don't really listen to it. Like that's not an everyday thing. It's mainly. Mainly uh, uh, godly music, bro. Gospel music—that's what gets me, you know, uh, gets me going, bro. It gets me going. It inspires me. Um, the Lord speaks to me through it, you know. So it's good. Wor- worship music, yeah. All right. Question number three: Greatest rapper of all time. Come on, come on, bro. Tupac, bro. Everybody oh, knows Tupac. that. <laughs> there we go. True West Coast yeah. homie, right here. Tupac. You know? I, I'm biased too. I mean, I, I'm like. Tupac Nas Right Cause Nas longevity Yeah I'm Nas- sure Tupac would've still been oh, rapping yeah. You know what I mean But As Nas- far as ly- ly- Lyrically I mean Tupac He was on a whole nother level As far as getting you Just the raw emotion But I I, I would say lyrically Nas is, is Is up there you know And the most Like Tupac was prolific Like yeah. Just constantly I mean the body of 25 And look yeah. at the body of work That he And then I related To that Like And then he was of course, West he's from Coast. the East Coast, but he was he was yeah. from here too, and that you know that, that's a whole other story. He's actually the guy that I believe God used to wake me up to a lot of the things of God, because he would even though even in his most craziest songs, he would mention God, right? Like in uh, even ambitions as a writer, you know, this life as a rap star is nothing without God. Was born rough and you know, so he, he those those kinds of things, those were seeds, bro, that yep. were planted. I used to actually go to the to the, the ranch the, the library in Rancho Cucamonga to to read books, bro, in the library because of things like I didn't know what Illuminati was. I didn't know about none of that right. until I started hearing him and I, I wanted to know and that that opened up a whole new world to me. He was you know? way beyond his years for yeah. sure. I mean you think about twenty five, that's young to be that oh, knowledgeable yeah. and all so much stuff and he was really articulate in the ways in the way he spoke. Yeah, it's because uh, of his upbringing, you know. Yeah. He had that that revolutionary. His mom. Yep. His mom was pro per too. She she got out of that that case and and, and yeah, she did. She, I, that, I saw that. I just saw yeah. that uh, the documentary the other yeah. day. It's crazy. Yeah. Question number four on the street gospel furious five. If I cruise through Rosemead and I get hungry, where should I go? Man, we we lost a lot of our our spots. There ain't really many, many spots. You gotta like, go to the Asian spots. Now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I would, 
I would probably just say gyms. You know, gyms is like a landmark. Oh, so there's a the gyms area. up yeah. there? Yeah, we had uh, actually quite a few gyms, but the only one actually, I don't even know. If See, there was a gyms in, in Bell. That was my that was my spot for a yeah, long time. Yeah, gyms was always a spot. That there, I don't even know if it's still there, but um, Garvey and Jackson. Um, other than that, we used to have some spots, bro, like Chris and Pitts. That was one of the Chris spots. and Pitts was in Rosemead too. Yeah, huh? that's right. Now it's a Pollo Loco. We had one in Bell for a long time too. Now it's yeah. now it's a I think it's a car wash and something else. Yeah, but we don't really have many spots like that, bro. It's gone now. We would all go to like, you know, I mean, we we go. We're not far from like Whittier Boulevard and King Taco and all that. So that's 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 where I go a lot. That's dope. Last question. Question number five. Where do you see yourself in five years? Man, I'm looking for the Lord's return, bro. So I'm hoping that Me too. <laughs> we get, we're caught up and Let's we're go. in his, his presence, bro. But uh, I don't know if we're gonna survive. Yeah, five years away. Exactly. But if we're still here, uh, I definitely see myself um, full time ministry, preaching God's word. That's that's my first love. Um, doing doing you know full time ministry, living doing what I love to do for the Lord full time. Um, but I, I, I definitely, there's a lot of things, man. Working with men, of course, I, ha- I have hopes of, of maybe opening a nonprofit and, and helping, you know, people that grew up like me, maybe, you know, working with youth, That'd be good. Uh, helping develop youth, helping them find their, their place, their role in life, their gifts, develop, helping find, you know, get, getting them the resources, Stuff like that, you know, if I end up in a place or even with, with the means to be able to facilitate that, that's something I, I would love to do. It's awesome, brother. I appreciate you coming out, man. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to the book. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to the CD because you, you did some Tupac right there. So I like it, man. It's yeah. a little flow right there. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. Uh, thank you for having me once again. Uh, uh, anybody out there want to tap in and, and link up? Uh, IG Righteous by Faith Underscore R.I.P uh, YouTube You can probably Just leave a comment Whatever Facebook Isaac Pedroza And uh, Thank you all man thank, thank, thank you all Thank your wife For opening up uh, Your spot here To be able to come And share my testimony uh, And I just Hope and pray That someone can be Touched That the Lord Can, can do something With this You know That's Amen. why we do What we do Amen That's it brother Amen, Appreciate brother. you coming out God bless. God bless you too, man. That'll conclude this episode of the Street Gospel Podcast with Isaac Pedroza, man. Make sure you check him out. Get him, get him to your church. Have him come speak. Yes. It's all good. Amen? Yes. Bless you. Peace. We out.